And now, introducing two men who are still nursing hamstring pulls and trying to figure out how they'll pay off the bets they made after Justin Tucker's record-setting field goal that they could make a kick at 111th of the distance. As they said, quote, he made 66 look kinda easy. We wrongly thought six would be a piece of cake, unquote. In efforts to ensure a favorable outcome, they're working on plans to infiltrate the Rockies' locker room and take over the mound and managerial position for the final three games of the season so that there won't be any way to stop the Diamondbacks from ending with a sweep. They are not Glenn Clark. Uh, Good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio, or as I like to call it on the days that he is not in, Glenn Clarkless Radio. Sitting across from me is the legendary Stan the Fan Charles, as we have got a nice show ahead of us. Stan, yeah, how are you this I'm morning? Very well indeed, very well indeed, and uh, good show, exciting show. Definitely. We are going to run the gamut as far as Baltimore sports are concerned. Obviously, there will be a sizable amount of Ravens, being that football is king, but we have a... Nice chat forthcoming with uh, former Super Bowl champion head coach and Ring of Honor member Brian Billick. That will be at 10.20. At 10.45 or 10.45-ish, we will chat with Orioles play-by-play voice both on TV and on radio, Jeff Arnold, as I believe he's called his final TV game of the year the other day and was on the radio call last night. But we'll get his thoughts on what has been a... At times, very disappointing season, but at times also encouraging in other ways. And just get what, a sense of how he... Way, what ways? Two, two players, really, I would say. I mean, Mountcastle, Mountcastle and, Mullins. and Mullins, I would say, are the two biggest feel-good. I mean, Mancini, of course, playing after Not coming Valleca. back from, from Kansas. I would probably Richie leave Martin. him off the list. I would might as well leave him off the how list. How about Chance Cisco? No, it seems as though if you have to have a first name or last name, it starts with the letter M to have had any success for the Orioles this season. Uh, we look forward to chatting with Jeff. I do want to get his thoughts on how this whole luggage race with he and Ben McDonald came to be. Have you seen that on Twitter? No, I have not. He and Ben McDonald. There's, a, I believe it's, I don't know what part of Camden Yards it is. If I had to guess, there's at some part of the stadium, there's a ramp that leads down into what I would imagine would be the grounds crew area. It's after area. they park, they go down okay. but where the concessionaire. Thereabout, is, yeah. yeah. So they have, throughout the course of the season on Twitter, been posting races between their rolling suitcases. Oh, just the suitcases? Just the suitcases, okay. although I'm sure there are contents in the suitcases. No, but I thought that there was like some no, dangerous no. thing going on that the no. two of them were. No, I, think, uh, I don't think... Who's got the lead? Uh, ben McDonald appears to have won nearly everyone that I've seen, and Jeff Arnold like bought a suitcase specifically to thought that he might be better for it, and I think he's lost everyone that I've seen. So I want to get his thoughts on how that came to be. So Jeff Arnold is kind of like... The early Orioles. season relish. Or he's like the Orioles. Yeah, the relish the relish, relish was not getting many victories the to start the year. relish is right Picked up there. Up. Yeah. Weird how that works. Yeah. Uh, regression or uh, progression, progression to the mean. Progression, progression to, the to the mean would yeah. be in that case. Uh, we'll chat with Jeff at 1045. At 1110, we'll have our weekly chat with Drew Forrester. Just about everything. I mean, the Ryder Cup was this weekend. I actually Excuse watched me, some the of it. regression to the mean would actually refer to ketchup and mustard. Ah, uh, yes. That's why, I said, that's why I said progression, progression to the mean. Progression yes. to the mean. Uh, Drew Forrester at 1110. Talk Ryder Cup. Ryder talk Cup. Ravens. All of that fun stuff. And then to finish. Did you understand how the Ryder Cup is scored? I didn't at the start of the weekend, but I started to figure it out. At okay. The, the, I've never paid it's match play, which right. I only know because I used to play Tiger Woods golf on video games. Oh, I and thought it's you were yeah, right. saying you played Tiger Woods. Yeah, all the time, me yeah, and him, yeah. just to chill all the time. Uh, it's essentially each hole, whoever, so if you're going, so say it's one-on-one match play. I thought you meant you 
your suitcase. Yeah, yeah, we have a great suitcase on. race history. One on one, you are essentially whoever gets a lower score on each hole. So like you and I are on the first hole, we tee off. I get a three, you get a four. You I get, get a point. One, right. I'm up by one. Right. So in 18 holes, that would be how that works. I don't fully understand, but it's a four ball the way it was for the first two or three days of the weekend where there's two two Americans and two Europeans playing right. against each other, how that works. Maybe it's the lowest score of the pair, but I guess we'll ask Drew about that. Right. And then at the end of the show, we will air uh, the first half of last night's Tyus Bowser show as Glenn, Tyus Bowser, and special guest Adafe Owe broadcasted live for an hour, and uh, we will get to hear exactly what that was all about. And for those unaware, the Tyus Bowser Show uh, features Baltimore linebacker and his special guest teammates at various locations around town with your chance to get pictures and autographs and hear everything that needs to be said before and after games. And if you can't make it out, you can watch the shows live at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen to them as you will this afternoon. This morning the next day at glenn clark radio at pressboxonline.com slash radio all that fun stuff the tyus bowser show is brought to you by true strong services great eights memorabilia and Pressbox. find out more at pressboxonline.com slash bowser or at great eights memorabilia and do we know com. when and where the next tyus bowser funny show you should is. mention it stan okay. the next tyus bowser show is tuesday october 19th so there's going to be a bit of a hiatus between so there's now no, and we, it's then. not a weekly show it's well a, it's, it's there's a, eight shows throughout the course of the year there were consecutive shows because they had to reschedule the first show gotcha. so last week in arnold and then this was in baltimore county the next one will be at twain's tavern in Pasadena. So thank you to Great Eights for all the great work that they do in helping to get this all going. And uh, thank you, of course, to Tyus Bowser and his guests for doing it as well. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by Glory Days Grill. And the Oktoberfest menu is back. It features their delicious chicken schnitzel, two chicken cutlets, hand-breaded and herbed panko, and pan-fried until golden brown, served with mustard cream sauce, mashed potatoes, and roasted vegetables. Their menu also includes your favorites like the Oktoberfest Brewer's Platter, Brewer's Sausage Sandwich, Prussian Pretzel Rolls, Slam Dunk Pretzels, and Apple Cobbler. All of these meals pair well with their many Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on draft. Dine on their patios or in their dining rooms or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill has been proud to serve the community for the last 25 years. Thank you, fans. So, Stan. Yes, sir course the Ravens through three weeks have taken years off of all fans lives in various ways obviously in a negative fashion in week one but pulling out victories in week two and week three albeit against a bit of a different grade of opponent I would like your thoughts we've had discussions yesterday and I think that people seem to be sort of latching on to the drops from Marquise Brown as far as the Detroit game is concerned, and no doubt that probably would have had an influence on the final score had he pulled at least one of, or I guess one of those two. I'm not counting the end zone one as a drop. That was yeah, slightly little, deflected. Little, yeah. So it makes it difficult. Granted, he got his hands on it. He could have pulled it in, but not easy. You also have to, you'd have to go back, and, and I know I'm interrupting your question, no, but I, you'd have to go back and understand the Duvernay touchdown. Sure. Was that on the one Duvernay. of the drive? Duver yeah, Duvernay. Yeah. 
touchdown. Was that one of the ones where he dropped one? I don't on believe way? it was. Okay. I'm, I could be wrong, but I, right. I, I don't think it was. I, again, that's not. Don't don't take my word as gospel here. Right. Okay. Uh, are you more concerned? As far as, because I think, like I said, fans were latching onto the drops. They were saying, how can this happen? The Ravens receivers are, you know, dropping the ball, literally and figuratively. Are you more concerned with that aspect of the game on Sunday or the defense's, I would say, tackling struggles where they were letting runners through their grasps, uh, extending drives as a result? As the season progresses, where do you think you land as far as that? Is concerned. I think that the uh, and again, uh, I'm not the most calculating uh, analyst on football, but to me, th- the defense's problems really ran into the fact that they were short so many mm-hmm. players. You know that they had a lot of younger players playing a little bit more than they would have. There wasn't the veteran presence in that huddle. Uh, I'm not that concerned overall with this defense at okay. this point in time. Uh, Marquise Brown, those kind of drops that he have had uh, are concerning to me. They yeah. really are because he figured to be – he's a very – you know, the idea was that with Bateman here and we haven't gotten a real glimpse of him Of course, yet. he will return to practice this week, this and that's week, positive. And I don't expect like it. a couple it'll, weeks, right? I think he's – yeah, as far as he needs to yeah. ramp up and get into right. game shape and Maybe all of that. Maybe by week six or something like that. Conceivably, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the thought was they'd have like a deep threat with him and Marquise Brown could get out in space and create a lot of uh, yards after catch, you know. And uh, and to be fair, Marquise Brown played tremendous for the first two weeks. He was yeah. one of the best receivers statistically in football right. in weeks one and two combined. And obviously, had he caught those passes in week three, would've, he would have stayed yeah. at the top in that yeah. regard. Yeah. Um, I think I leave that game more encouraged, though, uh, about all the criticism that Lamar gets that he can't throw the football. You know, oh, I mean, he I looked thought great. He was really tremendous. I agree. I mean, there was. He, it's pretty interesting. I think he, that he has a certain pass that I don't think he will ever be good at. The the, the kind of the one that Flacco could really well, connect the ten on. yard out. No, the the sort of deep. Ball where he lofts it correctly, I just don't think that's in his arsenal. I think he's thrown some pretty impressive deep balls through his yeah. career so far. That pass to Sammy Watkins, I mean, granted, it would have been a tough catch for but Watkins to make, but the, it was. It's not the, the I mean, high not many, one that gets over the defender. You know, it's a that short was, list of quarterbacks yeah. who can who can throw the ball at an apex of fifty feet and right. sixty plus yards downfield. It's like right. Aaron Rodgers and. Russell Wilson, and you know, it's and that who I'm not knows? even talking about the 50 yard, I'm talking about that type of pass is not in his in, in his repertoire. He was doing at a, this point that throw to, to Sammy Watkins on fourth and nine or third and fourth and 19. It was fourth and 19. Fourth and 19. Yeah. I mean, he did a great job dropping that over throw. a defender. I think that yeah. the touch he's displayed on his intermediate passes at this point this, this season yeah. has been very impressive. I, I love. I like the way he throws the ball. No, I mean, I think it's impossible to argue he has not improved as a passer so far as we've seen this year. And all the the last, I would say, the first two or – I guess this is his third year. The first two years – or is this his fourth? I don't know. First two years of Lamar Jackson's career. Yeah, it's hard to remember. This is his – Third, right? No. Fourth? He played half a season. This is his fourth season, yes. And and, and then he's been the starter for two. Yeah, they all kind of blend together. Now in his fourth season – 
when we talked about the Ravens offense yep. and the Greg Roman attack, we had always said, are they ever going to evolve into maybe more of a passing oriented attack? Are they always going to be so run heavy? And I think the answer is, of course, they're going to be run heavy. But always I sort of said that you could stay run heavy while still evolving the pass attack. And you saw early in Lamar Jackson's career, the majority of his throws came maybe shorter and across the middle and taking advantage of the space that defenses were giving him and making high percentage throws that didn't have a whole lot of you know, risk involved. But as he improved as a passer, you could start to ask more of that maybe minimal volume of throws, but those throws might, instead of being 10 yards downfield, be 20 to 30 yards downfield. And through the first three games of this season... I think you're seeing more of that. He has the third most or second most, pass attempts that have traveled 20 or more yards downfield in football. Uh, one behind him, ironically, will be the quarterback that the Ravens face this, this weekend, Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater, who's been very good for Denver. Um, but the You know, Den- Denver, the combined record of the teams that Denver yeah. has beaten is 0-9. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, sure, but you can't take away those wins, and they've certainly won handily. It's not as if they've been in the midst of, like the Ravens, you could argue, played down to their opponent on Sunday. Uh, the Broncos have had no concerns as far as pulling those out, and the defenses looked very good. Again, how much of that is due to the quality of opponent probably remains to be seen. The Ravens should test that, but I think the Broncos' defense should similarly present some problems to the Ravens' offense. Uh, it's an interesting matchup. There's no doubt about it. Um, but through three weeks... It's still a kind of odd spot for the Ravens, right? Like week two instilled confidence that they can beat anybody. And with Lamar Jackson at the helm, I think that that's hard to really argue against. He is that special. But like I said with Glenn earlier in the week, week three similarly kind of reminded you that they can still lose to anybody. And granted, the Hollywood drops, the game is most likely different if he catches a couple or one of those. And it's hard to say that it would have been, you know, as close as it ended up being. You know, normally football injuries are, as they say, part of the game. Sure. And you have to play through those. I find that the – I find – and I I look at this more rather than as an analyst of the X's and O's of the game. Mm -hmm. It's sort of the nuances of how you would bet teams – when you look at last week, New Orleans, um, they played. Who did New Orleans play last? Patriots. Week? The 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 Patriots, yeah. right? No, uh, no, no. They yeah. play this week. No, they played the Patriots this Sunday. Oh, this week. This the week they played the Tampa Bay. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Yeah. When you look at what they were coming, and that the Patriots, based on what they had done in the first two weeks mm-hmm. of the season, the Patriots were favored in that game. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if the uh, the betting the betting geniuses did not. This isn't a knock at them. For what it's worth, it's almost that I they was the did, only one who took the Saints on our picks. I right, think. they did not. They did not take into account all of the mess that the COVID mm-hmm. created for them in week two. Eight assistant coaches were Eight, missing. Yeah. Yep, and while we didn't have the assistant coaches, we had four, four or five. You know, meaningful players on defense out of that football game. There's no doubt. And I think that that, to me, is much more uh, what we overcame than than Hollywood Brown's misses. I think that 
you're these that, that is I think on one side that can be true. There's no doubt that COVID clearly depleted the Ravens' defensive front depth in their front seven, and as a result, surely the Lions had more space to operate with. I think that you could. Broderick Washington looked good in, in a small sample, but no doubt they were a lot thinner there than we would like them to be. All that said, I think Patrick Queen still was not great. Um, he has not terribly not, not impressed, impre- not impressed through three weeks, yeah. especially when it comes to, like like we said yesterday, if you're going to be an inside linebacker, you better be able to tackle when you're around the ball, right? If you're going to miss tackles at that position and also sort of be maybe a step slow in coverage and diagnosing like it's hard to say where he's excelled so far through this season at a time when we thought he was going to take a step forward so yes I agree he, he looks like he's he looks like he's a little bit more aware of where he needs mm-hmm. to be and run and run diagnosing the run I think yeah, yeah. especially there yeah. but you're right I have not been impressed with him as a tackler uh, they better and and Wink has uh, used them a couple times on blitzes, uh, and they've been. He's a, he's he's, a good blitzer. He's a good blitzer. He's a good blitzer. Yeah. There is no doubt about that. They'll say that when when yeah, he right. passes away. Oh, I hope That'll we don't be on his that. tombstone. Hopefully, he was a good hopefully blitzer. they'll say Hall of Fame inside linebacker. He was a good blitzer. Uh, we are going to take our first break. On the other side, we will chat with former Ravens head coach Brian Billick, of course, Super Bowl champion, to talk a little bit about what he's been doing on Ravens.com with some film breakdowns. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by Window Nation. It's a couple more days left. It's Window Nation's back-to-school sale right now, and literally a couple more days, today and tomorrow. Get two free windows for every two you buy. Wood or vinyl styles, buy four, get four free. There is no limit. Get an A-plus in savings and pay 0% interest for 24 months. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. As I said, Brian Billick on the other side. It is Glenn Clark Radio. Kyle Ottenheimer, Stan the Fan. We will be right back. Every seat is the best seat at M&T Bank Stadium. Don't miss a moment of Ravens football this season. Single game tickets are now available at BaltimoreRavens.com slash tickets. Glory Days Grill's popular Oktoberfest menu is back, and it features their delicious chicken schnitzel, two chicken cutlets, hand-breaded in herb panko, and pan-fried until golden brown, served with mustard cream sauce, mashed potatoes, and roasted vegetables. Their menu also includes your favorites, like the Oktoberfest Brewer's Platter, Brewer's Sausage Sandwich, Prussian Pretzel Rolls, Slam Dunk Pretzels, and Apple Cobbler. All of these meals pair well with their many Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on drag. Dine on their patios or in their dining room, or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill has been proud to serve the community for the last 25 years. Thank you, fans. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. 
It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Hey, it's KZ. The Press Box Fantasy Football Show is back, as always, on Thursdays. You can catch it at 1130. We're brought to you this year, CCBC and Glory Days Grill. You can catch the show two ways, facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com slash radio. The slash radio is if you want to listen. On Facebook is if you actually want to see my ugly face. We're going to have a lot of fun this year. DFS, daily lineups, keepers, all kinds of fun stuff. Please tune in, Press Box Fantasy Football Show. Every Thursday, 11.30 a.m. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. What's up, everybody? This is Taz Bowser. I can't wait to see you guys for the Taz Bowser Show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on the road all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on live on Pressbox Facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Taz Bowser Show. This is glenbarradio.com. Nothing but net. And once again, this season, Press Box's Project Game Day is the destination at halftime and postgame for every Baltimore football game. You want to talk about the game without all the nonsense, coach speak, and fluff of your typical show? Tune in to Project Game Day. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime, and he's once again joined postgame by your favorite analysts like the NFL chicks, Sarita Hubbard, Ken Zalas, and more. Watch the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. PressBox's Project Game Day, every game day presented by Glory Days Grill and Window Nation. All right, and joining us right now, a man Ravens fans are dearly familiar with, of course, Super Bowl winning head coach and is now doing some film breakdowns for the team on their website. He is Brian Billick, and he joins us now on Glenn Clark Radio. Coach, it is Kyle and Stan the Fan Charles here in Baltimore. Thank you so much for taking some time for us this morning. Glad to do it. Good morning. So, How you doing, Coach? So, Coach, we, yeah. we, we got a chance to watch your film breakdown this morning, and obviously you touched on – what was the good and the bad from the Ravens' Week 3 win in Detroit? Um, I want to talk first about the bad, get that out of the way. Uh, their third down efficiency, as you mentioned, took a pretty steep drop-off uh, compared to what they did in Week 2. You mentioned it was sort of a, a varied reason why. I think the Lions, as you said, deserve some credit for how they kept Lamar Jackson in front of them and didn't allow him to break away, but you also mentioned there were some offensive line issues for the Ravens as Pat McCarry got pushed back on one of the first, the third, excuse me, third downs, and it kind of wreaked havoc on exactly what it was they were trying. Our, obviously, we don't know when, if Ronnie Stanley will be back this season anytime soon, but are you, are you thinking that the offensive line for the Ravens will improve as the season goes along, or do you think this will be a persistent issue for them as they try and work through the trenches? Well, he has every reason to believe that they're going to continue to get better. Uh, like we said, and I said in the breakdown, you got to give Detroit a great deal of credit for the way they attacked uh, the, the job that they did. And, you know, when you look at third down conversions, 
and you look at the number, it's a very isolated situation. And all it takes is for, particularly on any offense, one issue, one breakdown, one player uh, to, to not perform or maybe to get overwhelmed. The, the scrambles by Lamar Jackson, we're so used to seeing Lamar, you know, make something out of nothing and spin and do one of his patented sideway jumps and take off. Detroit did a job of spying you know, in the open field. I think that's more credit to Detroit than it is a criticism of the, of the Ravens because we've seen them do the opposite of that several times. Obviously, such a dynamic running team. I think, what, 47 straight games they've run for more than 100 yards. That's a near NFL record. So yeah. their ability to run the ball, particularly on third down, is, is well documented. So I, I think, again, rather than it being a systemic problem with the Ravens, I think you just have to give credit to the Detroit Lions and the way they played those situations. Coach, uh, uh, we got a chance to watch what you're doing. Can you explain to our, our listeners and viewers what exactly you're doing each week and when it's available to the public? Well, uh, uh, I've really enjoyed, obviously. I look at the Raven game. I do have access to the, to the coach's film. Yep. Uh, uh, not through the Ravens, but through my work with the NFL Network that I'm no longer with now. Uh, but I still have access to the coaches' film. So I have an opportunity to go back and look at the game. Not only, you know, I watch the game, obviously, but then I go back and look at the coaches' film. And then uh, via Matt Brevin with the Ravens, uh, we get together and, and uh, isolate, okay, what is it you want to break down? What is it you think that tells the story of the game? And I try to isolate a half dozen plays that best uh, underlines what the importance was of the game, what worked, and in some instances, what didn't. Uh, just kind of an analysis uh, and, and looking forward to the next game. How impressed have you been through three weeks with, you know, obviously Lamar Jackson is excelling as both a runner and a passer, but it seems that what they're asking from him on each individual throw, maybe extending the depth of target, how impressed have you been with his progression as a passer through three weeks? Well, I think Lamar Jackson, obviously a truly unique and dynamic player in the NFL. Uh, in terms of his progress, I think a lot of people have commented on or worried, well, is he progressing as a passer? It, look, he is unique. He is never going to be the prototypical pocket passer. Coach, you there? Let's see if we can't reconnect with uh, Brian Billick. I know he is driving through uh, Wyoming currently, so I can understand why perhaps a uh, reception could be like a bit a Charles, spotty. What's he doing, like a Charles Corralt thing? He's doing you know, I do not know, but okay. uh, we hopefully will get that figured out. Of course, uh, busy man, but he's also retired to an extent, so he's, uh, he's entitled to be driving through Wyoming. Right. Give me a second, we'll, I'll try and reconnect. We'll try and reconnect with Brian Billick, who's doing this on the Ravens' website each week, a breakdown of a key six or seven plays and uh, and sort of what what some of the threads that run through the game. He pulls them out and dissects them. Uh, I watched this one for the first time. It was very entertaining, very entertaining, and Brian Billick always very entertaining. All right, we are back with Coach Brian Billick. Brian, you were saying? Yeah, guys. Sorry, I'm in the wilds of Wisconsin, so I'm going to blame it on uh, I'm going to blame it on Wisconsin and maybe the Badgers element. Being an Ohio State guy now in Columbus, I'm not uh, eliminating the conspiracy theory <laughs> that the Badgers might be in for. So uh, you were mentioning how he's never really going to be a prototypical this pocket Lamar, passer, yeah. yeah. But 
you've started. Yeah, I but imagine what he is, what he is, is more than adequate, and, and more than that, it, it's outstanding. So their combination of the ability to run the ball, playing great defense, and what we saw in this game, obviously in, in very dramatic fashion, Justin Tucker is the third element of that trifecta that still make the Ravens one of the best teams in the NFL. Brian, I had a couple questions about re- receiving. Um, have you ever had a receiver both as talented and as mystifying as uh, Marquise Brown? Um, you know, this problem that's arisen with him dropping passes, how do you handle that without sort of burying him or getting him down? you got to get his confidence back up. Well, you know, and the player, and that is, you're exactly right, it is confidence, because we know he has the ability to catch the ball. Now, there's any number of circumstances. That uh, Ford Field is kind of a unique environment in terms of the shadows and the whatever for anybody that's been there and seen a game there. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not close to it. I don't know if Marquise had something else going on, something physically or mentally that was giving him distraction. You know, I, I think it'll be a while before we see him drop three passes again. But certainly from a practical standpoint, you try to do all those things. It's, it's kind of like the guy that fumbles. Right. You don't, you don't want to you know, bring so much focus to it that all you're thinking about is don't fumble, don't fumble. So what do you do? You fumble. Uh, same thing. Don't drop it, don't drop it. So if you're thinking about that, all you're going to do is drop the ball. So you go back and, and during the week in the course of practice doing the fundamental things to get him back into a rhythm just like, uh, say, a batter in a batting slump or a, a golfer that's, uh, you know, shanking or hooking the ball, getting back into that rhythm where he has confidence in, his, in what he's doing. And the other question I had was the, the key, that key fourth down reception by Sammy Watkins. Everybody in town is saying, why didn't he try and get out of bounds? It looked to me that for that split second, once he caught the ball, his vision told him, if he got to that point, he wasn't going to be caught. Only problem was he slipped on that turf. Yeah, and that's so, you know, when you're asking the judgment and evaluation of a player in an instance full speed, it's, it, you know, there's a lot going on. Part of it could also have been, as he's thinking, because uh, he's a very veteran player, was a beautifully exploited play. I mean, my God, fourth and 19. Uh, and all the years that I had a, uh, a game plan and written up a game plan, you really don't have a fourth and 19 end of the game scenario. You know, it's just, okay, what are we going to do here? And they executed it beautifully. Uh, part of it also may be is his thinking, boy, we're, we're an awful long way out. And, and maybe we're too long. Even with Justin Tucker, are we too far out for a field goal? I got to try to make something happen. And obviously uh, it did work out with regards to getting – Justin Tucker in, but there's a lot that goes on in a player in real time having to make those instantaneous decisions. Does does Tucker's 66-yard field goal coach, does that change how other coaches handle the last couple minutes against the Baltimore Ravens? Oh, and, and, and I don't think it changes because I think they've always had to deal with that. The unique trifecta of the way they move the ball offensively play good defense, and then Justin Tucker. The fact there's no other team in the NFL, I think, that quite presents that same profile, that once you cross the 40-yard line, and now maybe even further, <laughs> they are going to get points, yeah. period. You know, and you can use that area between the 50 and the 
25-30 is always an area that you're making calculations about, all right, uh, can they salvage a field goal here? How aggressive are they going to be? Well, to know that the Ravens, that that's a scoring position for them, puts a great deal of stress on the defense. And actually, as you think about it, I, I kind of sympathize with Coach Harbaugh. He has tough decisions to make. It adds another dimension for his decision-making process because he knows when he crosses the 50, it's guaranteed points. And so when he wants to go for one of those fourth and one, you know, it's sometimes as a coach you're debating, well, how far out am I? Could we yep. get the field goal? Should I go for the fourth and one? His decision process is, well, I know if we go for it in fourth and one, and they've been good at it, and that's a, a good aggressive way to approach it, but he's doing it knowing I'm leaving points off the board because my guy will make the field goal. Coach, I think that there was a bit of a divergent game plan between weeks two and three from Greg Roman and company. As In week two, I think that it's hard to argue that the Ravens won that football game on the legs of Lamar Jackson. Of course, they were doing a lot of designed quarterback runs, trying to get him out of space, getting yards when they needed him because Lamar is capable of doing it. Whereas in week three, I... I don't really remember there being any designed quarterback runs. We talked about it seeming almost like a, a break glass in case of emergency strategy. If you were you know, running this offense, would you? is it a difficult decision on calling designed runs with the quarterback, even though you do recognize that that is ultimately what makes the offense so special? Well, I think uh, obviously Greg Roman's done a great job and has a very real sense from one week to the next of that one, the design quarterback runs that you're talking about versus two, those that are going to happen by happenstance. And those are going to happen. Right. So in terms of the pitch count, if you will, and they've made it very clear, they're going to let Lamar do what Lamar does, uh, and they're not going to get caught up with the pitch count. Those that want to be critical and say, well, you can't expose your quarterback to the run that much, uh, they're, they're all in with it. But I'm sure there is an equation in their mind realizing, okay, if, if this happens X amount of time on our own, maybe I don't have to call the quarterback runs quite as much. And also you're talking about two dramatically different situations. Mm -hmm. One was against a team in Kansas City that you kind of knew was going to be a track meet yeah. and, and, and may very well come down to the, the, you know, whoever had the ball last mentality. That's one shaping of a game plan versus an opponent with no disrespect to Detroit, but an opponent that, given the offense and what Detroit had been doing, didn't quite think the game plan was going to be quite the same or quite the same mode in terms of their ability to move the ball. So, yeah, that all factors into the plan going into the game. Is it if, – if indeed that was part of, like, the equation where you're saying, look, this is – we recognize the Lions are not the Chiefs. Like, we can probably – or the Ravens might have felt they could beat the Lions throwing the ball more with Lamar Jackson than having him run the ball in a designed manner. Is that the – how difficult is it as a coach to sort of make those choices and potentially risk a closer finish as we saw in week three if, if they were to do the MO that we've seen where it's read option, Lamar in space, and making sure that he's you know running ten times a game designed, right? Is it, is it tough to sort of – change your game plan based on the perceived ability of the opponent or is that just a natural coaching decision yeah that's a natural adjustment to an opponent you've got to believe that there's going to be this the prerequisite or or base core quarterback runs in every game plan now how much you use it is determined by you know the situation on the ground so to speak in terms of what's going on what's the score differential how good is the opponent home or away inside outside all those types of things that are going to play into it. Uh, 
and 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 the fact that you know Detroit came in to me, it looked like Detroit showed uh, from a passing standpoint to be very passive. They didn't want to give up the big play, uh, and and uh, you know so yeah, it's it's always going to be very fluid. But I can't imagine that Coach Roman isn't going to go into every game with that that section on his game plan that if need be, he can call up those runs as needed as they progress. Um, and, and at the end of the day, I hope people recognize, you know, I know what the expectations were playing Detroit. Detroit's kind of a black hole in the expectations in terms of how good a team they are. But on the road in the NFL, I've always said those are the toughest wins in all of professional sports. A win at the way they were get it, even though it was dramatic fashion and wasn't with the point spread, that was a good, solid win that I know it's hard, and probably the team the same way, doesn't feel as good about it because of the caliber of the opponent and, and whatever, uh, but you got to feel good about a win. Coach, uh, before we let you go, uh, the Ravens running game, of course, isn't what it might have been with J.K. Dobbin and Gus Edwards, but Devontae Freeman and uh, Ladavius Murray, along with uh, Tyson Williamson, have done a, a yeoman's job. But the other game, the other day during that game, they alluded to the fact they were talking about the announcers were talking at Greg Gumbel and uh, Archuleta were talking about. We talked to John Harbaugh and he said they got another guy in practice right now who's really coming along, and that's Le'Veon Bell. Uh, what do you think he still has left? Uh, that year that he pretty much sat out a couple years ago should have provided him with a little bit more oomph at this point in his career. Do you think he's got much left? Oh, absolutely. I think Le'Veon Bell, particularly in his day, was one of the, not the best back in the National Football League, that unique style of, of uh, running, that hesitation and then go. It's yep. a little bit different. It's a little bit different style than than what the Ravens are running right now. So incorporating him in that physically, I don't think there's any question he can do that, particularly in a limited role. Yep. He's not going to be a 300-carry guy in conjunction with Lamar, you know, which is huge. But the only question or the thing that I'm interested in seeing is that stuttered hesitation, read the, the offensive line, and then go off of that is a little bit different than the other backs that they have yep. and to see how they incorporate that in the running game. All right. He is Brian Billick. Uh, you, you, can Coach. follow him on Twitter, at Coach Billick. And, Coach, when can we expect the uh, the next film breakdown at Ravens' website? Yeah, we do it uh, the day after uh, every game. So, uh, yeah, we, we continue to do that. Usually do it on uh, uh, the day following. And uh, I'm not quite sure when they drop it, whether it's the day or day after that. But we're going to continue to do that every week to the uh, end of the season. Very awesome. enjoyable. Very enjoyable. Thank you, Coach. Always appreciate the time and enjoy our chats. All right, guys. Safe travels out in Wisconsin. There he goes, uh, Coach Brian Billick, providing some good insight on the Ravens have done so far through three weeks, what they might continue to do as the season progresses. Obviously, a few people know as much about football as do Brian Billick. I was amazed at how the short distance, how how much how he met, went from Wyoming to Wisconsin. I, I the so W quickly. the W states, you know, they they, they get confused. <laughs> Nobody's in my mind. ever driven from Wyoming. Yeah, to Wisconsin I would imagine that Wisconsin one... should have better reception yeah. than Wyoming, if yeah. I had to guess. But yeah. thankful that he is able to make time for us during his travels and appreciate the insight he was able to provide. 
Uh, today's show, as we get ready for our second break, on the other side, of course, Jeff Arnold will join us. Today's show is also brought to you by RAV4 and Toyota, and make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4, available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. So check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Moving right along here. On a Wednesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio, Kyle Ottenheimer, Stan the Fan, we will be right back. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. I've driven my tractor trailer millions of miles and I've seen it all. The next time you change lanes when driving, remember, because of the sheer weight and size of my truck, I'm not able to stop quickly if you cut me off and brake suddenly. One wrong decision could change our lives forever. Trucks need room to stop. Don't cut it close. Brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation State Highway Administration. I love you more than selfie poses. I love you more than spraying hoses. I love you more than bird calls. But not as much as football. Celebrate your love of football with Raven Scratch-Offs from the Maryland Lottery. Win up to $100,000 instantly or second-chance cash in Raven's prizes. I love you more than snowballs, but not as much as football. Play Raven Scratch-Offs at any Maryland Lottery retailer. Please play responsibly. Once again this season, PressBox's Project Game Day is the destination at halftime and postgame for every Baltimore football game. You want to talk about the game without all the nonsense, coach speak, and fluff of your typical show? Tune into Project Game Day. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime, and he's once again joined postgame by your favorite analysts like the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard, Ken Zalis, and more. Watch the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash Radio. Pressbox's Project Game Day, every game day, presented by Glory Days Grill and Window Nation. As one of only seven equestrian events of its kind, the inaugural Maryland Five Star at Bear Hill will give you unparalleled access to Olympic athletes in action. Come see the world's best horses and riders compete at the new Fair Hill Special Event Zone this October 14th through 17th in Elkton, Maryland. Don't miss the exhilarating cross-country competition, the elegance of dressage, and the precision of show jumping. There's something for the whole family, including great shopping, the Fresh Food Fest, beer, wine, and spirit showcase and so much more come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the maryland five star at fair hill october 14th through 17th buy your tickets now at maryland five star.us with the number five tweet us at glenn clark radio 21st century talk radio at glennclarkradio.com and we are back glenn clark radio kyle ottenheimer and stan the fan here at the uh, press box studios here uh, today's show also brought to you by the Baltimore Ravens, and every seat is the best seat at M&T Bank Stadium. Don't miss a moment of Ravens football this season. Single game tickets are now available at BaltimoreRavens.com slash 
tickets. And of course, the Ravens' neighbors downtown in Baltimore, the Baltimore Orioles, uh, put the caps on an upset victory, a bit of a spoiling effort there as they were facing the the playoff hopeful Red Sox. It's a bit familiar being that yesterday was the anniversary of the Robert Andino walk-off hit back in 2011. But the Orioles beat the Red Sox 4-2. And on the call for the radio was, of course, none other than our next guest, he is Jeff Arnold, play-by-play voice for the Orioles radio and television, and he joins us now on Glenn Clark Radio. Jeff, it's Kyle and Stan the Fan Charles here in Baltimore. How's it going, sir? Oh, I'm doing well, guys. How are we? Can't complain. We're hanging in there. I mean, I could complain about the fact that by winning last night, the Orioles are now in second place as far as number one pick is concerned, but I guess a good consolation is the fact that we have ruined some Boston fans' evenings and hopefully seasons with their efforts. So, Jeff, I want to start off with the important things first. And that is, of course, if you've been following Jeff on Twitter, at Jeff on the Air, you have inevitably seen what can only be described as riveting content featuring he and Ben McDonald going head-to-head in luggage races at Camden Yards. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think you've ever won, from what I can tell. It seems no, as though no he's, he, he, his bag, <laughs> called the Rainbow Warrior, um, is a little bigger than mine, and he gets some more stuff in there. And I will say this. We tried to do this earlier on, and I realized that the bag that I had previously, it had only two wheels. You need the four-wheel drive if you're going to compete with the Rainbow Warrior. And so I actually had my bag break. I went up one night to lift the handle, and it just all came out. So how I was con- like, well, I need to go get a new bag. How so convenient, said, right? How convenient. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And I said to myself, I can either get the same bag with two wheels. It's a little bit bigger. It's got a little more space for some stuff. Or I can go with a slightly smaller bag. And, and get the four-wheel drive, which will allow me to compete in the suitcase race. So I made the very mature decision to get the smaller bag just so I could like, have a chance in these suitcase races. And to be honest, we're going to do like one or two more, maybe three more, before the year closes out when the team goes back on the road. And I don't know, guys. I, just, I need to put like a brick yeah. or some kind of heavy material in because the Rainbow Warrior is just bigger than me, and he has way more stuff in there. And last night, I, I drive Ben home after the game every night, so I'm looking in this thing, and I just see all these compartments. I'm like, no wonder you're freaking beating me. You got all this crap in your bag. So, well, it, so- it's, um, it sounds like the larger issue, Jeff, is that he's got the Rainbow Warrior. What is the nickname that you've uh, you know emblazoned upon your suitcase? You need a nickname. Well, it, might, it might as well be Slingshot because <laughs> it's, it's really not – it's really, uh, you know, prickly Pete slingshot, something like that, because it's not really going that fast. So I imagine you know? it's it's hard to really do uh, pregame scouting as far as purchasing suitcases are concerned. How, like, is it the four-wheel was the only criteria you were working under? Did you have a temptation of buying the exact same bag that Ben McDonald uses to try to even the playing field? That's an interesting well, idea. Well, it's funny because I don't think they manufacture his bag anymore. Hmm. And I went to a, a certain retailer, I'm not going to name any names here, <laughs> and their supply was a little bit on the on the short side. So... So I, I needed to get myself a new bag because, like, the, the handle came completely off, and it was, like, the day of a game, and I was like, I just need a new one. And, and then I was thinking to myself, well, if I get this, this smaller one, then I can actually maybe have a chance in these and, you know, be a little bit more svelte and, you know, a little a little bit more like a, you know, cruising along like a little bit more like a Miata versus, you know, <laughs> it's like Chevy Suburban. And I, I realized that, yeah, that's actually not how it works. He's just got more stuff in there, and 
when he gets downhill, if I don't if I don't get the inside track, and even sometimes when I had, if you saw the second video, then I'm toast. And so I'm going to have to like fill my bag up with a a lot of stuff probably over these last couple of suitcase races because fellas, I cannot go into the off season with a goose egg in the suitcase race category. <laughs> if there is one thing that needs to come out of this last week. I need to win at least one against the Rainbow Warriors. Is the is FanDuel uh, yeah. setting the odds on these races? Are you guys betting real uh, capital on the on these races? You know what we we haven't we haven't really engaged in any of that. Um, I will say if, if if any odds were to be set, um, you probably you probably want to go with the safer bet at least right the out Rainbow of the gate. Warriors. But you know if we can if we can, if I can win one or two of these, then maybe the odds get a little bit more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're pulling for you, Jeff. We're pulling for you to get. Hey, I'm pull. I'm pulling for me too, man. Somebody <laughs> has got to take that guy down. Well, we've enjoyed your work on the call so far in this. You know what has been a tumultuous season for the Orioles at times. But as I mentioned to Stan Pryor on the show, there have certainly been bright spots as it comes to the Baltimore Orioles in 2021. I think perhaps, and I think it's not really controversial to say, none larger on the field. That is, of course, Trey Mancini's return from cancer is by far the most feel-good story of the entire season. But the most impressive performances, I think, have probably come from the bats of Cedric Mullins and Ryan Mountcastle. Um, How encouraged... Should Orioles fans be about the progress we've seen made? And not only from those two, Austin Hayes has had a pretty impressive last few months here. As they enter 2022 with the expectations of the rebuild kind of reaching points where we should start to hope to see returns and development from the team, do you think the Orioles are in the right direction to be, if not you know, competitive next season, perhaps maybe a step away? Yeah, I think I think what you're kind of hoping for next year is when you're in a rebuilding mode, you know, you're going to have years like the Orioles are having right now. And this is all done when you're playing in the American League East. And so a rebuild here is going to be extra tough. Um, and, and it's a it's a process that, you know, when Michael Elias started it, you know, you didn't have much in, in terms of minor league, you know, prospects. And there was there was not a lot there. And you needed to build that up and you needed to build up your international part of it. But when you take a look at the Orioles overall, I mean, there are some positives. I mean, to me, I think you're in pretty good shape as far as the outfield goes. Anthony Santander had an up and down year, and you go back to April 20th or thereabouts where he hurts his ankle in Miami. And, um, you know, it's just he's, he comes back and he's at 75%. But I, I think that he's going to get to a point where he's going to resemble the Anthony Santander of, of 2020, where he was the most valuable Oriole. And Austin Hayes, I think, has shown that if he stays healthy, and you can get in the lineup every day, then you have a, an exciting player who's very good defensively, um, who you can you know put in the order and who can maybe give you 25 home runs. I mean, he's at 22 of them right now. And then Cedric Mullins has just been the biggest breakout candidate, um, you know, one of the biggest breakthrough seasons. If you if you ask anybody on the Orioles coaching staff, you know, be it Brandon Hyde or Freddie Gonzalez or any of these guys um, that, that you've probably ever seen. And, uh, I mean, I think 30 stolen bases, as Mullen said, I, I thought I had 30 bags in me, but 30 home runs, I, I don't know. I mean, we heard about his power before, but being able to access the power and to put up these numbers and just do some of the ridiculous stuff that he has done um, while being humble about it, really improving in the outfield over these last couple of years, um, I think this is a, a centerpiece for your rebuild 
and is going to be a piece that's going to be there when when this team is able to turn the corner. So you already have some really good things to build off of. And, you know, Trey, I think the, the, the thing I said last night on the air was that, you know, the most impressive number that stands out to me was 142, which is 142 games played a year coming off of colorectal cancer and, and numbers that are pretty close in line with what his career averages are. Um, and then Ryan Mountcastle has been incredible. I mean, I think he needs to be right there in the, the AL Rookie of the Year conversation. Um, I think his defense has come a long way. I, I think he's got a little bit farther to go, but I think he's made great strides because he's gotten a lot of reps over there. Um, I think he has learned that when you struggle and you can find a way to succeed in the major leagues, um, then you build a lot of confidence. And seeing the in-season adjustments that he made has made, um, you know, along with Cedric Mullins's you know year and Trey Mancini's comebacker. You know, probably the three most impressive things that I've seen all year. So um, I definitely think there are a lot of individual pieces that are there. I mean, last night was, you know, Orioles had their minor league award winners there. And, you know, the thing that's exciting about it is that when you get minor league award winners who are right there um, in Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez and Kyle Stowers, you know, Stowers going three levels this year, Rodriguez big year at double A, Rutschman big year between two different levels. Um, and, you know, the number one pitching prospect in the game, the number one, overall prospect in the game and, and Stowers, who's been great. I think you're extra excited just because of where they are in their development. They're almost at the end of the cycle and they're about ready to, to be, to be ready to be unleashed at, at Camden Yards. And so I think that is exciting too. You know, there's work to be done obviously on the pitching side. I mean, who knows what the off season is going to bring. I think you've learned that you need, you probably need some, some veterans in there uh, to be able to, to help out your younger guys. John Means has had a really nice year, I think. Um, but I think the next step is just the, the pitching part of it. And I think you've kind of seen what happens when, you know, you have your young prospects and they, they're kind of thrown in there against the American League East. And a lot of people in, in spring training were saying, well, well, let's get like the young guys in there and let's, let's kind of see what they can do. And it's like, okay, but there are going to be some lumps and there are going to be some ugly moments and there are going to be some really bad things that happen at times. And that's just part of it. Um, but you also, I think it helps when you can have some veterans too that can, kind of teach you to, to how to do it and, you know, eat up some innings. And, and that's sort of what veterans are valuable is that, you know, people may not understand, you know, placeholders and things like that, but it's like, it, it is a skill to be able to go a couple times through a lineup in the American league East. And it takes years to learn how to do that. And it takes years to learn how to do that in the major leagues in general. So um, I think the next step is pitching. Hopefully there's some steps made in the right direction. We'll see what, what the plan is for Michael Elias in the off season, as far as that front goes. But I think a lot of individual success stories have come through this year. Mountcastle has established himself, I think, as a future all-star. Mullins is one already. I think your outfield, you're in pretty darn good shape there, but it's going to be the pitching, I think, that's next. You know, uh, I, I did a little calculation early in the season. I was trying to figure out if the Red Sox were for real or not, and mm-hmm. I wrote down how much money they spent on pitching, and then I went through each team in our division. Yankees this year spent $105 million on pitching. The Red Sox spent $87 million, including Chris Sale, who missed 80% or 90% of the season. The Toronto Blue Jays spent $57 million in pitching. The Tampa Bay Rays spent $27 million in pitching. And the Orioles, with the highest paid pitchers being Matt Harvey at a million and Sean Armstrong at 900000 spent $10 million on mm. pitching. 
do you think there's any chance, not that we're competing with Toronto next year, but that we can get up in the level of competing with Tampa Bay for how much we spend for pitching? I mean, I'm not sure kind of what's going to happen as far as the CBA goes, and yep. it's going to be interesting to see what changes happen along along those lines. I think what you've kind of seen from this year is you need some veterans in there with with um, with some younger guys. Yep. It, uh, to me, it can't just be it can't just be young guys. It has got to have some guys that have been in the big leagues for a little while, yep. and you know, be that a you know have someone like a, a Richard Blyer type or. You know, just to, you know, like a Tyler Anderson, a guy who's with the who we saw with the Pirates, and I think is with the Mariners right now. You know, you know, Brett Anderson, just like guys like that that have yep. been around, that have seen it. And you know, we're not talking about like you know superstars. I mean, I think yeah. the time will come when you're really getting close and you're competing, and you need to go out and you need to make that deal in the off season or make that trade at the deadline or whatever, where you're going out and you're getting the pitching that you need. And I think that time will eventually come. Um, but I think now it's just about getting some guys in there that can just help you out and yep. help you find your way a little bit. And, and you know, it, it's a process. And Matt Harvey, I think, you know, the, the, the thing that I think people don't see is that they, they'll look at Matt Harvey's ERA, and there were some really nice moments for him in this second yep. half and, you know, that scoreless inning streak. But, you know, it's, it's teaching guys how to be professionals. It's teaching guys how to get through injuries. It's teaching guys how to get through tough times. And, um, that's hard to do when you know you're you're kind of you're having difficult moments and you're you're kind of looking around the clubhouse and you're waiting for the veteran to come over and, and say, hey, you know, I can tell you about this start that I had against this team and you know I got beat up in this outing and I had this rough outing and I, I had to learn the hard way about this and this and this and you know, a guy like Matt Harvey could do that. Um, and, and do you I think, think the there's that, do you think there's much interest in a reunion on both sides? You know what? I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if he he is back. I, I think it will. I, I think to me, um, his leadership that he showed was was really important. Yeah, and, I agree. You, know, you could you could you could see that. Um, I think that's that's kind of a that's sort of a Michael Elias question. Um, yep. But but if the if the opportunity presents itself and you're looking for somebody, you know, yep. I, I wouldn't be surprised if if maybe he is yep. uh, because he did have some good moments. You know, especially at the end. Well, Jeff, I know we got to let you go here, so uh, I don't want to hold you up too much, but we really appreciate you uh, taking the time for us this morning. As always, congratulations on a uh, great season of calling games this year. Look yeah, forward to hearing your voice. You've done a terrific job both on radio and television, Jeff. I appreciate that, guys. You be well, and uh, we'll talk to you maybe at some point in the offseason. Yeah. Much appreciated, man. Be well. There he goes, Jeff Arnold. You can, of course, follow him on Twitter at Jeff on the air. That is G-E-O-F-F, Jeff, not J-E-F-F. Always good times talking with him, and uh, for his sake, I hope he manages to eke out a victory against Ben McDonald as the season winds down. Got to win one. Got to be tough. He's got to name his suitcase. It really does deflate the confidence when you can't even get one. Yeah. Uh, But thank you, as always, for taking a minute for us there, Jeff. Uh... Going to take our next break as the uh, first hour of today's show winds down. What if he puts a bag, down. like a 10-pound bag of kind Viagra of mm, in his suitcase? Maybe something, I guess 10 pounds of anything is 10 pounds. So if 10 but pounds Viagra, of brick and 10 pounds get, of Viagra are going to yeah. 
give the same boost, but maybe I get what you're saying. He might get arrested. A little though. added. He uh, might get arrested. Unless he's got quite the prescription. Uh, we are going to take our next break. Uh, we're going to chat with Drew Forrester here in a few minutes. After the break, I want to get to one of our listener questions for Stan uh, when we return as well. Today's show, as always, brought to you by Mobile One. And Mobile One Full Synthetic Motor Oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. It is Glenn Clark Radio from the Press Box Studios. Kyle Ottenheimer and Stan the Fan. We will be right back. Need to hone your computer skills to boost your career? Or maybe you want an IT certification? CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field. And it's all tuition free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. It's back to school time, and to help you get educated on Window Nation, they're offering a scholarship for higher savings during Window Nation's back-to-school sale. Right now, get two free windows for every two you buy, wood or vinyl styles, buy four, get four free. There's no limit. Get an A-plus in savings and pay 0% interest for 24 months. That's like a free ride until 2023. With all the money you'll be saving, you can use it towards your kids' books, clothes, backpacks, shoes, or even treat yourself. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. As one of only seven equestrian events of its kind, the inaugural Maryland Five Star at Bear Hill will give you unparalleled access to Olympic athletes in action. Come see the world's best horses and riders compete at the new Bear Hill Special Event Zone this October 14th through 17th in Elkton, Maryland. Don't miss the exhilarating cross-country competition, the elegance of dressage, and the precision of show jumping. There's something for the whole family, including great shopping, the Fresh Food Fest, beer, wine, and spirits, showcase and so much more come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the maryland five star at fair hill october 14th through 17th buy your tickets now at maryland five star.us with the number five i love you more than selfie poses i love you more than spraying hoses i love you more than bird calls but not as much as football celebrate your love of football with raven scratch-offs from the maryland lottery win up to a hundred thousand dollars instantly or second chance cash and raven's prizes i love you more than snowballs but not as much as football play raven scratch-offs at any maryland lottery retailer please play responsibly And we are back, Glenn Clark Radio, Kyle Ottenheimer, Stan the Fan, Charles. And speaking of Stan the Fan, he has two great shows for you every week. And like everything else in the world, they're happening over Zoom. As every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. 
and every Wednesday night. The last three weeks, we've had Bill Lee on. Yeah. Only Bill Lee has never been on the show. <laughs> Funny how that works, right? That's radio. <laughs> uh, and, of course, on Wednesday nights, he and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. I understand you've got a pretty exciting guest yeah, tonight. Yeah, we're, we're excited to have the Washington Wizards general manager, uh, Tommy Shepard. Join us tonight at 8 o'clock, and it's brought to you by C3 Exteriors. Indeed. Uh, C3 American Exteriors. Yeah, we'll get to them in a second. And uh, we're excited to have uh, Tommy Shepard on to talk with us. Both shows are at facebook.com slash Sports and available the next day at pressboxonline.com. And as Stan mentioned, the weekly shows are brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Call C3 American Exteriors to get your roof and siding repairs done for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797 or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. So, Stan, we had a listener question from our friend Paul in Ovi Lando. As he knows, you being the baseball mind that you are, that you might be able to provide perhaps a bit more realistic insight or expectations into what just might be occurring in the offseason for the Orioles. Yeah. He wonders, what kind of vet signings slash positions would you like to see the O's make for rosters to help with the rookies they'll be bringing up? As he mentions, for me, at least one solid vet starter and a veteran catcher to mentor Adley Rutschman would make his list. Do you agree with those, and are there any additional spots you feel need to make additions? Uh, I've got three players that I'll give you a preview of what I would probably I'll probably be writing in like mid-November, right before the winter baseball meetings. My shopping list includes understanding what the Orioles are going to do financially, that they're not going to go out and sign a $20 million starting pitcher to a five-year contract for $100 million. I know that they're, they're looking to shop in the bargain basement. My pitching go-to guy for a one-year contract is Rich Hill, okay, uh, who's been winless in, I think, 12 or 14 starts with the Mets. But I've seen him pitch some very good baseball, and I think on a one-year deal – He'd be acquirable and affordable by the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, the catcher would be the same guy I recommended last year, Stephen Vogt, who yeah. this year is with the Atlanta Braves. And my third guy is more an energy guy. I love this kid, Josh Harrison, who was on the Nationals at the beginning of this year, former Pittsburgh Pirate. Yeah, He's now on the Oakland A's, brings tremendous energy can play some outfield, and he can play all those infield positions that the Orioles are going to need plenty of. He can steal a few bases, and he plays with some energy. This is a team that is a very bland team, and I think they need an energy guy. Josh Harrison's been great. I mean, he's yeah. the acquisition that they made I mean, in he's Oakland. He's 34, 35 years old. He hits. But I mean, he's always around yeah. at an 800 OPS, and he's yeah. a versatile defender. You could put and him he in. He makes a million dollars a year. The Orioles can afford a million dollars a year. He might have played matter. himself into a little bit more of a contract. So so that would be horrible if we paid him $2 million. <laughs> you know? Do you expect they will uh, loosen the strings on the pocketbook a little this offseason? I think they've got to, uh, especially, uh, Kyle, that, that question I asked Jeff Arnold, which he kind of deferred to that's a, a Mike Elias question. Of course it's a Mike Elias question. I didn't expect him to give the – the uh, organizational standpoint, but 
you can't you can't even hope to be competitive when you spend ten million dollars on your pitching staff. It's just it's it's a you know it's an impossibility. You know, hard to argue. I mean. You think that they're probably like I don't. I, you don't expect any multi-year contracts to be signed by the Orioles this offseason, unless the market for maybe somebody falls down later in the offseason. Perhaps if, if they believe that Matt Harvey is is worth is worth bringing back for one more year, they might think that maybe here's a guy who made one million dollars this year. Yeah, he's thirty years old. He is, I think, highly dependent upon Chris Holt. I think he likes Chris Holt. He trusts Chris Holt, and Chris Holt sees something in him. If they had to pay him five and a half to six million for two years, I would think that would be an interesting investment. But Rich Hill's not getting a two-year, seven million, eight million dollar contract. Matt Harvey, they know what he brings to the table. He's been with them for a couple of years. I'm sure Brandon knows Rich Hill a little bit from yeah. some Cub history, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, they, they definitely need – I think they need two of those guys, sure. to be honest with you. I know last year you were, you know, screaming from your pedestal about how you thought that Colin McHugh was a signing that would have made sense for the Orioles. Of course, he turned around and had a tremendous season this year. Are there any other players you feel would be good reclamation attempts to maybe recoup some value at the trade deadline or find, as you mentioned, some pitching help? Uh, I haven't sat down. I've, I've really pointed out those three players. Look, Colin McHugh will be available. He's liable to be back up in the 4 or $5 million range. Somebody's liable to see what he did. You know, I, I have to be honest, despite the fact I pat myself on the back that he's had a great year, I'm not so sure he might not have gotten swallowed up with overuse hmm. by the Orioles this year. You know, Interesting. that he would have been because he would have been in that sort of Plutko role. Yeah, you know, and that guy was a real disappointment because the first three weeks looked it good. looked like he yeah. was like, wow, they got one guy who's a really a major league pitcher, and then he got worse than anybody else. He, Unfortunately, he was shades true. of Dan Straley. No, that was uh, an experiment that flamed out, to say the yeah, least. Yeah. But, yeah, they'll, they'll need to figure something out, ultimately, because, you know, as it stands, you've got one spot insured to John Means. Beyond that, it's a bit of a question mark. I think Bruce Zimmerman will certainly get a chance to stick in the rotation. A- Aiken's, at, at Aiken's four or five starts at the end of the year were kind of eye-opening, but... You know, why Why the other yeah. 17 starts were that bad? Well, he'll likely get a chance to, to hit the ground running next year, yeah. but uh, Grayson Rodriguez will be up at some point, we yeah. presume, next season. Kyle Bradish perhaps the, as well. But the guys that, that might be able to help you that are on the roster right now, Lother and Bowman, yeah. Bowman yep. are guys that are interesting. No doubt. You know, that got hurt by the lost season last year. But as Jeff mentioned, they will likely need to add some veteran help to supplement anything that might go wrong with those young guys. Uh, joining us right now, uh, you know, has it's a hooded, hooded four iron on Twitter. Speaking he, of a veteran guy. Indeed. He is Drew Forrester, and he joins us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Drew, how's it going, man? I'm not nearly as much of a veteran as Stan is. Well... That yeah. means I'm just older than you, kid. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, Joe? All good. I got my. I didn't get a tattoo for the Ryder Cup victory like Steve Stricker is going to, but I got. I do have a Ryder Cup goatee. 
So let's start with that. Um, I actually, for the first time in my life, watched some of the Ryder Cup. Uh, there was a bit of a learning curve as far as understanding how the scoring worked, but then it started to make sense to me. But just to, to clear it up, I, real quickly, one question. When it's a four-ball format, is it essentially whoever of the teammates of either team gets the best score? That's the score for the team? Correct. One score out of the two players. Okay. okay. So, so there's, there's some strategy involved in it. If one guy's got a 20-foot birdie putt and another guy's got a 6-foot par putt, Sometimes the guy with the 20-foot birdie putt will say, hey, why don't you go ahead and make that for me so I know we have four and I don't have to concern myself with maybe hitting this ball too hard or missing the missing the putt. So there is a little bit of strategy involved in it. Uh, but for the most part, it's just whichever of the two guys gets the lowest score. Drew, the, the ease with which the U.S. won this Ryder Cup, is it just as simple as saying that right now – we've got the best players in the world, or is there more to the strategy of picking who he picked and, and all that stuff? Well, I, I mean, that's a really good question because I think that, that it's like a little bit of a, like a, it is like a pizza. The, the golf course was really, really set up for the U S number one. Um, they kind of handpicked that place. They played it as far and as long as they could until Sunday and, and Sunday they moved some of the tees up a little bit, but they had a pretty substantial lead, but Friday and Saturday, they played the golf course as far back as they could. There were a lot of pins were in the back of the holes. Um, I'm going to get really nuanced now, but the European players, nine of their 12 players played a right to left ball flight into the hole, which is called a draw for a right-handed player. So the Americans put a lot of the pins on the right side of the greens to kind of offset their their draw bias um there were 79 par fives played in the three days the u.s won 44 of them and the europeans won 12 that really turned out to be from a course standpoint and the, and the data standpoint that turned out to be a massive reason why the u.s won with such a big margin of victory um more length i mean yeah sure better players but the golf course was really, really set up well for us. And then the captain's picks, I think one of the one of the unwritten things, and he did kind of say this Monday, you know, Stricker really worked hard to find somebody that would team up well with DeChambeau. Uh -huh. That's why he went, that's why he went with Scheffler. Uh, they played um, twice. They won one, they tied one, and then Scheffler played really well on Sunday instead of DeChambeau. So some of the captain's picks were just sort of natural, and some of them were made with the thought of who would they pair up with, like Berger and Pepka were an, obviously a team that Strecker had considered um, before. You know, he had plenty of guys to choose from, but I think he took Berger mainly because he knew he would be a good teammate with Kepka. Uh Speaking of Kepka and DeChambeau, I mean, it seemed like this weekend represented somewhat of an easing of the tension between the two of them. Obviously, it had been a big storyline in the golf world, but... Are you of the opinion that this puts to rest that quasi-rivalry, or was it more of a temporary truce as far as all that's concerned? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I, I think now that they've seen now that they've seen this thing all unfold in totality, um, they had a little bit of a summer, you know, where it flared up and there was a lot of social media back and forth, and then. Um, they came together and Stricker brought him into a room supposedly and said, Hey, I'm not going to have any of this stuff at, at whistling straights. So I do think that there may be a softening between them. I also think 
they now can look at this and see how silly sort of it mm-hmm. looked. Um, and I also don't know that it was ever really as serious as the media made it out to be. And I think that it might have just snowballed on both of them. I, I don't know that they ever really wanted it to be this sort of wildly followed. And both of them wound up getting criticism out of it. I mean, the, the weird thing was Kepka was always the guy really kind of doing most of the needling. And he wound up looking like the bad guy kind of at the end. Mm-hmm. And then DeChambeau kind of bit the hook and he got involved. And then he looked like the bad guy. And I don't know that either one of them wound up looking very good out of it. Um, so maybe this will temper it for now. It seemed like a lot of it had to do with DeChambeau clearly being affected, as we talked about in the past, by the crowds heckling and all of the chants of let's go Brooksy, all that stuff. You heard the Ryder Cup teammates jokingly, I think, yell that after they had won <laughs> and he played well. It sounds like... Could it be more of a story about DeChambeau sort of getting the monkey off of his back by being so affected by that sort of thing? Maybe. I, I think they're two very different. They, they're two very different brands. And I think that is a good. I know that's kind of a hot button word we use these days, but they are two da- very different brands. DeChambeau is a lot more of, of a business. He's very similar to me to Mickelson. Um, very, very much a business guy. He's got six logos all over him. He's on all these different commercials. Kepka doesn't really have much corporate following at all. He's got to deal with a low carb beer, but that's about it. Um, Kepka's brand is, is to give up an analogy, I guess is far more like the barstool brand and DeChambeau's brand is much more about corporate and button up and I'll come out and, um, appear at your corporate day for you. So they, they just have a very distinct different brand. Kepka's way less in uh, DeChambeau is very involved with kids. He goes to a lot of hospitals. He does a lot of things like that that help his brand. And Brooks doesn't really do any of that. So they're, they are very, very different. There's no question about that. Hey, over the last couple of days, I happened to be scrolling and I never clicked on the article did Tiger Woods talk to this Ryder Cup team at all via Zoom or in person in any way, shape, or form? Uh, yeah, he sent some texts. I think the one the one that got published the most was, you know, Saturday night he sent a text and said, step on their throats tomorrow. Um, he, Tiger would have certainly been a vice captain. He and Stricker have always had a very good relationship. He would have been a vice, a, a legitimate vice captain of the team if he would have been able to travel. Right. Um, but he did still in some way participate. He apparently, he and Mickelson were the real genesis a year ago of the DCM, of the um, Cantlay-Chauffelet pairing at the hmm. President's Cup. So they were the ones that kind of put those two together and said, these guys would really be a nice pairing. And then they wound up blasting everybody in, in uh, the President's Cup in Australia. And then, of course, they were both awesome at Whistling Straits. So, um you know, Tiger definitely still has a role. He's going to be a captain, obviously, someday. Yeah. Some speculation is maybe he would be the captain in Italy. Um, but the other side of the coin is most people think that the PGA of America would want him to be a captain in, in the U.S. Um, Mickelson is all but a done deal to be the captain at Beth Page the next time it's in the U.S. in four years. And the rumor now is that Zach Johnson will be the guy in Italy. But Tiger's very, very connected to the Ryder Cup, even though – 
he wasn't really that great of a Ryder Cup player when he was yeah. in his heyday. Yeah. If you had to guess, does this mark uh, the beginning of a reign of dominance for the United States in the Ryder Cup, or is this more would, the circumstances? I would, I would up? say so. I, I think there's not. You look at the if you look at the European team that just uh, that just played. Not a lot of those guys. I don't think not a lot of those guys are going to be back in 23. Um, and even some of the guys they missed this time, like Justin Rose and Molinari, they're going to be older too. I, they, they really do. They are, they need a major upgrade in young talent. And that's obviously what the U S has right now. Uh, it is, it is difficult to win away. The U S hasn't won since 1993 away, which is remarkable, right? It'll be 30 years uh, when they go to Italy. Um, but this is this is by far the best collection, the best pool of players that the U.S. has had, I would say, in probably in my lifetime. I mean, I, the 93, 95, 97 teams were really good because they had couples in Pavin and Love and Azinger who were all at the height of their career. But this group, those guys were older. This group is younger. This group's in their 20s, other than DJ, who was 37. This is a young group of guys that I think they're going to be together for – the next four, five, or six Ryder Cups, they all won't make it, obviously, because it doesn't work that way every time. But the core of them, JT, um, Kepka, DeChambeau, Cantlay, Chauvelet, Finau, those guys are all going to be around for a long time. We're talking with Drew Forrester of DrewsMorningDish.com. Drew, uh, I know golf is your your passion. Uh, where did uh, Patrick Cantlay come from? I mean, he just came out of, like, nowhere to, to my vision, you know, my golf vision. Yeah, I mean, he was a, a Long Beach, California kid. He played at UCLA. He had a back injury in college. He was a really, really good um, high-profile college golfer who got hurt. He hurt his back, and he actually didn't play golf for a year. And then when he came out, he, was, he, he wasn't, you know, he was nothing special when he came out. And then two years ago, he won an event, and he started to look like he could be legit. And last year – he won a couple of tournaments and he made the president's cup team. And now uh, based on the way he's played over the last seven or eight months, I mean, he, he's definitely a top 10 player in the world at this point. He is, yeah. um, he is really, really good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, transitioning to football, obviously a uh, interesting game on Sunday capped off by one of the most impressive special teams plays in NFL history. Are you leaving that game more encouraged or discouraged by the Ravens overall performance in Detroit? Um, I think there were a lot of encouraging things. I think if, if Brown catches any of those balls, the game's probably more like 31, 13, like we all thought it would be. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought Lamar and I did not see all of it. So I was kind of in and out. I recorded it and watched a little bit more of it Sunday night, but I was in and out of it because I was watching the Ryder cup. I thought it, 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 I thought it was one of the best games Lamar has played in terms of dropping back, getting in the pocket. The throw he made on 4th and 19 was yeah. terrific. I, yeah. I, he made a bunch of those throws throughout the game. Um, so I think there were some encouraging things. Clearly, they're they're struggling on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they were out of gas at the end of the game. Uh, the pass rush is still very negligible. The only way they're getting to the quarterback at all is when they blitz safeties of the defensive backs. They, they just cannot get any pressure on the quarterback. Um, I, I, it's weird, right? I, I think – when Lamar plays the way Lamar played against Kansas City, which is to say, and I'm not trying to stir the pot, but when he plays like a hybrid, when he plays like he plays like a running back slash quarterback, mm -hmm. I think that's when he is his best. 
But I also understand there is a need to throw the football in the traditional way the quarterbacks throw it. And I think he can do that. But I, I think the offense is best when you just sort of say to him, we got to get six yards. You figure out how to get six yards in three plays. I don't care how you do it. Do you think I that think it's, when, I think that's when he's his best. Do you think it's, we've talked about it, sort of the break glass in case of emergency approach to Lamar running designed runs. Do you think that's the right way to do it is to pass when you think you can win with the pass? Or do you think that they should just say, this is who we are on a weekly basis and have him run eight to 10 design quarterback runs every week? Well, I, I would I would say the latter, but I also know, and you know, Stan knows this from being around for however long it's been, Stan. Um, <laughs> he, you know, the too, other team. Too long, too long. <laughs> the other team is game planning. You can see what Detroit did the other day, right? They took the run away from the Ravens and said, Lamar, go ahead and throw the ball and beat us. Like, so if you're Greg Roman, you're also playing that game too of what are they going to do to us this week and how do we react to it if we need to react to it? Um, so, I, I, I do like the fact that they have plays built in that just are specifically, uh, and whether or not it's the RPO or whether or not it was let's just give the ball to Lamar and let him run and here's how we're going to handle it. I do like that. I think that's when he's, I think that's when the offense is at its best for sure. And you could probably make the argument that's when he's at his best because I think that's what he, in his heart, that's what he likes to do. I'm not saying he doesn't want to be a drop back regular, you know, a standard run of the mill quarterback because I, I think they all have pride in the way they throw the ball, and he does too. But I think in his heart, he wants to run with it 10 or 15 times a game and make things happen and and run for it on fourth and two and get it. It's just the way he's built, and I don't see any reason to to go against that to me. You know, and it, he, Is there a possibility he could get hurt? Obviously. But he yeah. could get hurt on any play. You know, you know, it's interesting. I asked that question of Greg Roman uh, about two years ago, and I asked him whether or not you know, I said these plays where Lamar runs for 12 to 15 yards and you see that it's easy for him to get out of bounds, but he keeps going because he thinks he might be able to make a n- one more cut and go to the house. And I said, wouldn't you rather he just go out at the 15 yards? And Roman said, you know, uh, you know, people are worried about him getting hurt running around. He goes, the quarterbacks that really get hurt are the guys that stand in the pocket and take a pounding. Right. And sure enough, the other day, Phil Sims said the same thing, uh, talk, breaking down Lamar. is. He was talking about it, to, I think, to Boomer, saying, you and I both know that's really when you get hurt. So I think uh, – I think having certain amount of design plays that way is important for this offense to be its optimum. Hundred percent agree. I mean, yeah. I, I think look, nothing beats athleticism, right? You, you you can't you can't teach height, and basketball coaches are always looking for it. You can't teach speed. Football coaches are always looking for it. You can't teach those two things. They're they're innate, right? Yep. And I think he's he is just a guy that is very much. You know, this is what I feel like doing right now and running out of bounds isn't necessarily the thing that you know, the thing that he does. I, I that one play it, that one play he had where he spun back to look in the pocket and he saw that there was wide open on the left side and he made like a thirty plus yard run. You you can't deny him that by confining him into being one thing. One million percent agree. Yeah. And 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 
no one, and this is the thing too. And I, I guess more than anything, this is probably the, this is the bumper sticker that I'm sure Greg Roman looks at all the time. And he says, no one's stopping it. Yep. Yeah. If they were stopping it, it would force me to kind of reconfigure yeah. the way we do things, exactly. but no one's stopping him. So until someone stops him, I'm just going to kind of let him keep doing what it is that he does. And yeah, is he, is Lamar Jackson in his career going to get hurt at mid season at some point and be out? I think if we had to bet yeah. that right now, yeah. every one of us would say, sure, because it's just natural. But I don't think restraining him in any way is the smart thing to do. And and again, no one's been able to stop him. So you might as well just keep letting him do his thing. It's kind of like Glenn Clark. If, mm-hmm. if he parachutes 100 times, he'll break a leg. But right. in one time, the odds Maybe are not. he's not going to break a leg. Right, right. Hopefully. Yeah, right. <laughs> What is your uh, what is your gut about Denver? Obviously three and zero, but they've played teams that combined are zero and nine. Do you think that this is going to present a significant challenge to the Ravens on Sunday, or do you think that the Broncos sort of come back down to earth against what we assume and hope is a real opponent? Yeah, I, I think they're look. I, teams go through this all the time, right? And I always used to say this when I was on the radio, I, and and I I would see this when I was in the soccer business, and uh, the team that thinks they're really good is sometimes way more dangerous than the teams that actually are really good. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they wind up like Carolina right now. Hey, we're three and Oh, we're going to go in there to Dallas and punch them in the mouth. And if they go in there and beat Dallas on Sunday, all of a sudden Carolina actually thinks we're pretty good. And I think Denver's probably the same way. The players aren't dumb. I mean, they know they've played no one at this point. You know, mm-hmm. they've played the jets. They've played the giants and they played the Jaguars who may not all win four games combined right. the whole year. They're 0-9, uh, the three teams at Denver's beat. Right. Yeah. So the, the Denver players aren't dumb. They know that. But they also know, hey, if these guys come in here this weekend and we beat we beat them 21-17, all of a sudden now we're 4-0. and And could we still miss the playoffs at 4-0? Well, of course, because it's sports and crazy things happen. But every time you start building up these wins, and if you get to 4-0 or 5-0 or 6-0, you, you're, oh, by attrition you're probably going to make it, right? So um, – you know, it's like the St. I, Louis. I it's Ravens like the St. Louis Cardinals now, Drew. They've won seventeen right. in a row. It didn't start out beating Milwaukee. It started out probably beating the Washington Nationals a couple, the Cubs a couple. Right. You know, and all of a sudden, you've won seventeen in a row, right. and you Which believe you can amazing. win any day. You know, it's amazing, right? Yeah. Two most amazing things in baseball: the Cardinals and the Padres are under five hundred. Yeah. <laughs> yep. After yep. after being twenty-one games above five hundred yep. at one point. Um. The, but I think the I do think the Ravens will win, but you know, it's a difficult, that's a weird venue, right? I mean, it's just, it's a weird place to play. Um, and we'll, we'll certainly learn a lot more about Denver on Sunday. I, I mean, I think we know, look, the Ravens could be three and O they could be zero and three. They could be one and two, but they're two and one. Like the, I think we all know what the Ravens are. The Ravens are a good team. They're obviously struggling with injuries. They have the most dynamic player in the league. Um, we don't really know much about Denver. We're going to find out a little bit about them on Sunday. I think. Yep. What's your biggest concern with the Ravens right now through three weeks? No pass rush. No pass rush. Yeah. Yeah. No. No ability to. No ability to get to the quarterback. Create any kind of havoc in, from the interior part, of, or even from the edge. And the only way they're able to get to the quarterback at all is with defensive backs and. Maybe it's just that's just the way it's going to be, and that's fine. I think, you know, obviously Wink in the Kansas City game went out of his way to make sure they took Tyreek Hill out of the game. They did a phenomenal job of that. Um, 
you know, it was kind of fluky at the end, the kid fumbling the ball and, and all that, but neither here nor there. He set out at the beginning of the game to take Hill out of the game, and even Kelsey. And other than the one catch and run that Kelsey made where no one tackled him, he wasn't really all that much of a factor either. Um, so I, I, I'm not suggesting Wink doesn't know what he's doing. He may be getting by with whatever he can get by with. But no pass rush would definitely be the biggest concern. And, and I think over the long haul, over the 17 games, I think their running game is really going to suffer. I don't think they have the horses. They're just, they're just kind of knitting it together now, piecemealing it. And Murray will be good for a few weeks, and then Bell will come in and be okay for a couple of weeks. And maybe they get something out of Freeman who looks really slow. But that, that may be the way they have to do it. They may just have to put this – you know, three-headed monster together and try and get by every week with somebody. I'm real intrigued about seeing what Le'Veon Bell has left. We had Brian Billiker on earlier in the show, and he he's sort of in my camp. He thinks that he might have a lot left. Okay. It's, in, okay. it's interesting. interesting. Well, I think, you know, and again, Stan, you know this from all your years of being around baseball and football and things like that. There, nothing, there's not, nothing really replaces a fresh start, right? You, yep. I don't know what happened to him in, in Kansas City. Obviously, the Pittsburgh situation, he took a career gamble there that was really flopped on him because he went yeah, to the Jets, terrible. which I think yeah. everyone would have said to him from Jump Street. Yeah, don't go to the don't, Jets. Don't, yeah. don't go to the Jets. Right. Like, take, take less money and go to a real team. Right. Um, and then the Kansas City thing clearly didn't work out. And, but nothing beats a fresh start. And, and, and also the one thing you don't ever know about these guys, you never really know what – how much pride they really have. I mean, they all have pride as athletes, but how much pride does this kid really have? Yep. Does, this, does he really want his career to end having gone to the Jets, scooped up a bunch of money, and then basically got kicked out, yep. went yep. to the Chiefs, who uh, you won know, a Super Bowl without him. You know. Right, yeah, went to the Chiefs. That was a flop. And then it, does he really, really want his career to end like that? Or – does he say, well, you know what, dude, I got 80 million and it didn't end all that great, but no one will know that in right. 20 years. Right. And I don't know, I don't know the answer to that, but I think that is part that's of That's a great question. Game. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's hundred percent. And I would say the one kid that's playing that out now is the, 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 the boy Brown in Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. You're seeing a little bit of, he's got some pride, like, and needed to make as much money as bell, but he's got some pride. You can tell now, maybe we'd all have pride if we were playing with Tom Brady, but mm-hmm. I think that kid has gone down there and pretty much towed the company line from yep. what it appears. No question. So. We uh, we heard today John Harbaugh and, and, and company said that Rashad Bateman's return to practice obviously has already occurred and that they're taking it in a sort of a day-to-day approach and that it is still possible that he suits up in week four in Denver. Um, how surprised would you be if he were on the field on Sunday and how slow and cautious do you think they should take it with their first-round receiver? Well, I would say take it slow and cautious for sure. Um, don't know much about – I mean, I know what injury he had. I know he had surgery. I don't know much about it, really. Um, I, I, You know, I think the more you see these injuries, the more you realize better to wait than to rush them back as a general rule. Now, I don't know that the Ravens are going to rush him back, and I think most of the time they probably say, is he is he 100% ready to go this week? No, he's 90 Let's sit him out then. Mm-hmm. I, I do think they do that. Um, I don't know that they're desperate to add another wide receiver, not that they're adding him, but bringing him back into the fold. And you have Boykin, too, in the same way. And I don't know if Brown's episode last week has 
hastened it in any way, but I, I would wait it out until he's 100%. I, I don't see any reason to rush him back in there right now. I'll ask you, agree with ask you to resist temptation to interject here, Drew, but today's show is also brought to you by Window Nation. A back-to-school sale is currently <laughs> ongoing. There's a day or two left. It ends after this month. Right now, get two free windows for every two you buy. Wood or vinyl styles, buy four, get four free. There is no limit. They get an A-plus in savings and pay to 0%, excuse me, interest in 24 months. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. Um, I guess we'll wrap up with a brief talk about the future of the Orioles. 2022, okay. forthcoming, uh, Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, Kyle Stowers, we're up at the... Ballpark yesterday receiving their minor league honors. We had some discussions earlier, Stan and myself. Big news, though, coming from the Yeah, Orioles. right, big you know, shocker. Cedric, Cedric Mullins is the most valuable Oriole. Oh, I can't believe yeah. it. Yeah. Who would have thought? Who God, thought? I voted for uh, Keegan Aiken. <laughs> how, um, how much, if really at all, do you expect the Orioles to loosen the strings on the pocketbook uh, this offseason? And do you think they're going to be making any – additions that they have reason to believe should be around for whenever it is the competition starts in Camden Yards. Don't know, don't know, don't know. But, I mean, I have a lot of opinions on it. I, I, it's <laughs> such a it, – well, I mean, it's just such a for, – for the first – first of all, we all know from having watched this the last six months, they, they desperately need pitching, mm-hmm. right? I think we've talked about this a lot. Offensively – they're, you know, I mean, they're not the Yankees or the Blue Jays, but they've got some talent at the plate. They, they can put some runs up, and and um, I, I think they've got a decent nucleus. And there's no question. I think Rutschman, we all know, he's going to be a he's going to be a legit player. They, I don't think the bats are an issue. I think even some of the bit pieces, like this Urias kid, I really have liked him. Yeah. I, I, I think they have the makings of a decent core. They don't have any pitching. Right. I mean, you, means is the only thing they've got. And he's a he's a good pitcher, but he's nothing. More I think than that. so. I think Sulcer and Tate figure uh-huh. in figure in as pieces. You know, I would agree with that. But I'm talking about starters. More yeah, no, both. I know. But yeah. The problem with the starting pitching is in terms of going out and getting more is I don't know that many guys worth their salt want to come and pitch in this ballpark yeah. 18 times a year. Yeah. And, and that becomes the biggest challenge. So you, what you wind up doing is going out to get, and uh, Wade Miley would be just a guy I'll pull out. You go out and get a guy like Wade Miley, who has, who at that point right. had right. been kind of bumping along and hadn't been really pitching all that well. And you're like, dude, we got $5 million for you, or whatever it was they gave him. It was probably double that. We got $10 million for you. Come on in and pitch with us. And he didn't really have another job, so he came to Baltimore and pitched, and he got lit up, and he left. Like, that's the kind of guy that they get, and I don't know, I don't know how you win like that. So they they got to get better pitching. It's a little bit of a catch twenty two because no one wants to come and pitch here, but they got to go get them. Um, but I'm I I am pretty galvanized. Look, they're going to wind up with fifty whatever wins, right? Fifty three or fifty four wins, somewhere in there, fifty two, whatever it is, right? And they're going to wind up winning those games, having lost. 21 in a 20 in a row, 19, 19 in, a row, in a row, and, and 14, 14 in a row. 14 in a row. Yeah. They lost, they're gonna win, they're gonna win 51 or two games, having lost 33 in a row. Right. So I, I don't I don't know that it's as dire as maybe it looks. And I've watched them play a lot. I, I think they're still defensively, I think there's still a lot of fundamental things that they do that are kind of weird and 
I think Santander, it's so bizarre how on any given night, he's either really good with the glove or looks like he has no idea what he's doing. And it almost depends on night. It's, it, it's like a night of the week kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I think their core is pretty good and I think they, they can hit, they just need a couple of more pieces and they'll get those yep. and they, but they got to get more pitching. And if they don't, and that is the question. going to be a 70 win team. Right. Yep. And that's no good either. Yeah. Hard to argue with that. <clears throat> All right. He is Drew Forrester. You can follow him on Twitter at It's a Hooded Four Iron. I believe you got some golf to play later on today. And, uh, yes, sir. We will not be talking to you next week, but I, I, somehow, Where some are you way, playing today? Where are you playing? We'll, we'll survive. Right? Yeah, I'm, up right. in, I'm playing up in Delaware today. We'll survive next week without me. Somehow. We will figure it out. Uh, always appreciate you taking the time for us. Uh, enjoy your golf, and uh, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Yeah. Stan, good seeing you, bud. Good seeing you, buddy. Talk we'll to you soon. You. There he goes, Drew Forrester from DrewsMorningDish.com. Hard to argue with his opinions on the Orioles. Of course, we've pretty much all reached that same conclusion as it comes to the pitching. Uh, Ravens, we will see uh, if the Broncos can sort of keep that momentum snowballing if they were to pull out a victory against the Ravens. But uh, we'll see. Time will tell on Sunday. And speaking of Sunday, I know that all of us are disappointed that sports betting isn't in place in Maryland. But... If you want to win, a, I won a big bet months ago yeah. that it wouldn't be in Well, there you go. So Your bet on sports betting. I don't know if that counts as a sports bet. I bet, bet on but the state bet. of Maryland. A sports bet on the state of sports betting. Yeah. Uh, if you want to win some money on football, you can do it legally, and we're going to give you some free money to play with thanks to our friends at Underdog Fantasy Football. Go to underdogfantasy.com. Or download the Underdog Fantasy app, deposit $10, and use the code PRESSBOX. And we'll give you $10 free to play with if you would deposit 10 or more dollars. Underdog not only has daily and season-long fantasy contests, but also prop bets and fun parlay games where you can win every week this season. And it's not just football. There are plenty of baseball contests on Underdog as well, as well as soccer, pretty much anything going on. So go to PressBoxOnline.com fantasy, click on the Underdog logo, and deposit your $10 and get your $10 free. Or use the code PRESSBOX at UnderdogFantasy.com and have fun winning money with PressBox and underdog all right we are going to take our fourth and final break on the other side we will do our requisite wind down portions of the program as i know stand the fan has to get out of here closer to noon and then at the end of the show we will hear part one of the tyus bowser show from last night it is glenn clark radio from the press box studios we will be right back What's up, everybody? This is Tyus Bowser. I can't wait to see you guys for the Tyus Bowser Show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on the road all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on live on Pressbox Facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. It's back to school time, and to help you get educated on Window Nation, they're offering a scholarship for higher savings during Window Nation's back-to-school sale. Right now, get two free windows for every two you buy, wood or vinyl styles, buy four, get four free. There's no limit. Get an A-plus in savings and pay 0% interest for 24 months. That's like a free ride until 2023. With all the money you'll be saving, you can use it towards your kids' books, clothes, backpacks, shoes, or even treat yourself. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. 
tell them Glenn Clark sent you. I love you more than rock and roll. I love you more than a swimming hole. I love you more than pinball. But not as much as football. Celebrate your love of football with Raven scratch-offs from the Maryland Lottery. Win up to $100,000 instantly or second chance cash in Raven's prizes. I love you more than gumballs. But not as much as football. Play Raven Scratch-Offs at any Maryland Lottery retailer. Please play responsibly. Every seat is the best seat at M&T Bank Stadium. Don't miss a moment of Ravens football this season. Single game tickets are now available at BaltimoreRavens.com slash tickets. I love driving my tractor trailer. And just like you, I just want to make it to my destination safely. If you drive too closely to my truck, I can't see you, and you can't see what's in front of me. If I have to brake suddenly, our lives can be changed forever. If a truck stops quickly, can you? Don't tailgate trucks. Brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation State Highway Administration. The latest issue of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens cornerback Marlon Humphrey, who may well be the Ravens' next true defensive superstar in the lineage of Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, and Terrell Suggs. Also inside, we introduce you to Maryland Navy, Towson, and Morgan State football players and everything you need to know for football betting as it launches in Maryland. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. You are out. You are listening to Glenn Clark Radio Radio at GlennClarkRadio.com. And we are back. Kyle Ottenheimer, stand the fan. I'd step out and take a call quickly. But uh, we are winding down for today's show before we hear of the first half of the Tyus Bowser show from last night. Today's show is brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One, full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. So let's get into a tidbit. Uh, tidbit of the day is brought to you by, well, let's say it's brought to you by the Pressbox Fantasy Football Show. That will be coming on tomorrow, every Thursday at 11.30 a.m. Uh, the Pressbox Fantasy Football Show with Ken Zalas, KZ, will help you get your lineups in and find deep sleepers that might still be on your waiver wire to help you win your matchups. And it's all brought to you by CCBC and Glory Days Grill. That's the Pressbox Fantasy Football Show with Ken Zalas. Every Thursday at 11.30 a.m. Watch at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Tidbit. So, the Ravens and Broncos will square off on Sunday. And, of course, if the Ravens are to win, one would expect it has to be on the arm and legs of Lamar Jackson. For what it's worth, those have been pretty valuable so far this year. Lamar Jackson leads football in yards per attempt and yards per rush. Not bad. His 1,012 total yards are more than 13 offenses have alone, including the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's pretty neat. And if he were to continue at this pace, he would finish with the most total yards by a quarterback in NFL history. We like that. That would be good. 
The man he'll be facing, well, on the other side of the field when the Broncos are on offense, is one of four quarterbacks this season who have started every game and are yet to throw an interception as Bridgewater is 4-0 and in his touchdown-to-interception ratio. The Ravens, of course, known as run-heavy, are actually not the run-heaviest team of anyone in football. Fifth highest percentage of runs. Uh, that's fine. That was at least in week three. The Texans, Titans, Bengals, and Saints all ran the ball at a higher clip than did the Ravens. Uh, Stan is not here, so I won't really do the trivia portion of it all, but for what it's worth, the three other quarterbacks who have yet to throw an interception and have started every game this year are none other than Kirk Cousins with an 8-0 touchdown-to-interception ratio, Russell Wilson with a 7-0 touchdown-to-interception ratio, and Daniel Jones, who has a 2-0 touchdown-to-interception ratio. Not too shabby from those folks, although two touchdown passes, nothing to write home about, but he's ran for like 40, it feels like. All right, that brings us to Totally Tubular. Totally Tubular is brought to you by the latest edition of Pressbox, and it is available now on the cover. Thomas Kenzora profiles University of Maryland quarterback Talia Tongavailoa and his chance to deliver the Terps to Big Ten prominence this year. Also inside, Bo Smolka breaks down the Ravens' offensive line. We meet the area's Olympic athletes and more. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. On TV tonight, uh, on the sports side of things, the Ravens and Red Sox take the field again at 7 o'clock. Nathan Uvalde and Zach Lowther will square off in that one. On Masson 2, the Nationals and Rockies have a 3 o'clock game. It's also on MLB Network nationally. Uh, ESPN has Yankees-Blue Jays at 7. Both teams looking to hold on to wild card spots. And the Padres and Dodgers at 10. Uh, the Big Ten Network, Penn State and Maryland Volleyball at 8. ESPN Plus has William and & Mary and Loyola on the soccer pitch at 7. Uh, NBC Sports Washington Plus has Minnesota United and D.C. United at 7.30. Uh, ESPN 2, the Campiones Cup, uh, Cruz Azil and Columbus Crew at 8. CBS Sports Network, the UEFA Champions League Golazo show this afternoon at 3. And then NBC Sports Washington has Devils Capitals at 7, also on the NHL Network. Uh, TNT with AEW Dynamite at 8. As far as non-sports are concerned, uh, the highlights, you've got Archer at 10 o'clock. If anyone watches the Aquafino show on Comedy Central, that's at 10 and you've got the Chicago Med, Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, if anybody cares, on NBC from 8 through 10. Goldbergs, The Wonder Years, The Connors, Home Economics at 8 through 9.30 on ABC. And a host of other random stuff on Late Night and other TV stuff as well that you can check out at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Call C3 American Exteriors to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797 or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. 
That will do it for the majority of today's show. A thank you to Stan the Fan for his assistance, as always. It's My a pleasure. pleasure. My pleasure. Good uh, seeing you again. Of course. Uh, thank you to our guests, of course, Coach Brian Billick, Jeff Arnold, and Drew Forrester, and from what you are going to hear, Ty's Bowser and Adafe Owe. Those will all be up in the Greatest Hits section of the archives tab at glennclarkradio.com. A thank you to our sponsors and partners, CCBC, Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, Royal Farms, Chesapeake Employers Insurance, Exxon Mobil, KNS Automotive, the Maryland Lottery, C3 American Exteriors, Grade 8's Memorabilia, Sports and Social, MD, the Baltimore Ravens, Maryland Department of Transportation, Underdog Fantasy Football, Maryland Five Star, and your local Toyota dealers and buyatoyota.com. New episodes of Jobbing Out, available in the podcasts tab at Pressbox online and as i mentioned to wrap up the show we will hear the first portion of last night's tyus bowser show for those who are unable to make it or who are looking for information the tyus bowser show is a show which features baltimore linebacker tyus bowser joined by a special guest and well it was a pretty big one this year or this not past night i should say as adafe owe joined he and Glenn Clark to talk about all the things that needed to be said before and after games. If you can't make it out, you can watch the shows live at facebook.com slash Sports or listen to them well, like you're about to right now. The Tyus Bowser Show is brought to you by the True Strong Services, Greatest Memorabilia, and Pressbox. Find out more at pressboxonline.com slash Bowser or at great8smemorabilia.com. So without further ado, on tomorrow's show, of course, fancy football show and stuff and things with irons in fires. Uh, the Tyus Bowser Show, part one from last night. The next one, of course, will be October 19th at Twain's Tavern in Pasadena. But let's hear the first half of last night's show as Tyus Bowser, Adafe Owe, and Glenn Clark broadcasted live from Baltimore County. Everyone have a great Wednesday. We will see you tomorrow. And welcome into the Tyus Bowser Show live from the Bowman. We got a great crowd out here tonight. We got a lot of people to thank for making the show possible. My name is Glenn Clark. I'm going to introduce you to the people that you actually care about here in a second. First of all, I need to thank Dan Llewellyn for making all of this possible. Dan Llewellyn. Betsum Entertainment USA works with the Bowman with Riverwatch, which is a beautiful place too. And he's got an incredible event coming up. I want to tell you guys about this. This is remarkable. On November 14th, the Mike Lambros Festival, hosted by Wendy Townsend, who you know from 98 Rock, featuring live music from Grumpy Myrtle, Rob Fahey, and the pieces Eclipse. Sh oh my gosh, the Rat Pack, the actual Rat Pack. Wow, that's amazing. The Funk Junkies and so much more. All to raise money to get Mike Lambros' ashes to Delaney. And Sugar Jack, too, yes. Sugar Jack to get Mike Lambros' ashes uh, to Delaney Valley with his family. That's amazing. That's Riverwatch on November 14th. Please go check that out. Please, ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for the host of the show. He is Mr. Tyus Bowser. Hello, 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 everybody. Glad to be here. Glad to see this crowd, man. Everybody looks amazing. Glad to see everybody here, man. Man, it is, it is good to see you. Uh, I have to address something. I'm sorry for my voice, but it's yeah. really your guys' fault. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> like, anybody else lose their voice on Sunday? Yeah. 
I nearly lost mine too. I ain't gonna lie to you. I can only imagine. It was crazy. Hey, uh, you brought out a guest with you tonight. We had a lot of fun with Anthony last week. He was tremendous. You brought out somebody. Um, I don't know if this is the deal where, like, you tell the rookies they got to come out. That's the way it works. Yeah, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. But I know my guy. You know, he's busy too. He's a grown man. You know, he has things to do. So. Just the fact that he's able to come out here and spend some time with us, man, means a lot to me, you know, personally. You, you want to go ahead and introduce him? Yeah, man, my guy, number 99, out of New Jersey, Penn State University, first-round draft pick, Adafe Owe. How y'all doing? How y'all doing? Thank you for coming. I see all these 99 jerseys. It's a blessing. I'm happy to be here. Man, thank you, Adafe. Thank you so much for coming out. By the way, look at that hat. That hat is amazing, man. Y'all like Adafe's Orioles hat? That's a good look. That is a really good look, man. Uh, all right, let's just get right into it, Tyus. Were your eyes open? Were they, you? They okay. were. They were open. All man. right, take me through the entire range of emotions. As the guys get back out on the field, we get to fourth and 19. Like, take me through everything that you experienced until the moment you realized that that, that kick had gone through. Well, I mean, I was sitting down at first, and I was like, all right, Justin coming up here, I didn't see him, you know, kick some 60-yarders, 61-yarders. I think he did something like 70 yards back in practice, something like that. So I was like, you know what, let me stand up for this. <laughs> I think this might be something worth watching you, okay, besides the screen. You're saying so you believed, you believed he was going to make the field goal. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. All right. I mean, if you see it in practice, you see it during warm-ups, I mean, there's no other way than to believe that he's going to make it. So, I mean, it started with that. Then I looked up. I'm like, man, he's like on the Lions logo. Like, this is a far, <laughs> this is a very far kick. So, I mean, he snapped the ball. And I just seen just his whole demeanor and just how he approached the ball. I said, oh, he kind of got some little energy to him. <laughs> and I seen him kicking out, and I just seen it in the air. And it was just moving. I said, oh, my gosh. Like, it's straight away. It's going to be between the posts. And I was like, but this mug is still in the air. I'm like, this one might actually make it. <laughs> so it gets close. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And it hit. And I know which way it either went. But I seen it flying and I seen it hit the net. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm yelling. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I was like, bro, I actually just witnessed this in person. And I was just thinking back because I remember they was talking about how he was there before. Yeah, kicked a 61 yard. 61 yeah. yard to win. And that's kind of like how he made a name for himself. So I was like, man, to come back in the same exact place, in the same exact situation, and to do this making history as the longest field goal in NFL history, man. It was it was a sight to see. You'll always be able to say that you were there. Always yeah, Always. Adafe, what about you? Did you did you believe? Did you are you willing to admit maybe that you were a little bit nervous? Like anything like that? Nah, so I'm always gonna believe my teammates, but obviously I'm a rookie. I'm uh you know, I, I haven't been like witnessing all the practices and everything. So, you know, I had some I was I was skeptical. And everyone was calling him the GOAT. Everyone was saying he's the greatest kicker of all time and all that stuff. But I wanted to see it. So, like, you know, I, I couldn't give him all my belief yet. So when everyone was telling me, all right, just just believe in me. Everyone knows that he's, he's going to make this kick. Everyone knows that he's the greatest. So I'm like, okay, okay. Let me see, how, let me see what it's going to shake like. So then he gets up to the place where he's about to kick it. 
and he has just so much confidence that I'm like, okay, he might actually do it. Then so he kicks it. And then it's in the air, it's in the air, it's in the air. But then it starts going down like a downward trajectory. So I'm like, wow, he's about to miss. <laughs> but then he's about to miss. But then it hits the pole, it hits the uh, the, uh, the goalpost, and then it goes the other direction. Everyone go, starts going crazy. My coach pulls his hamstring. We gotta talk about that. We gotta talk about that. Everyone is on the field, swarming him. Tuck looks like he's scared because everyone is swarming him. I'm swarming him as well. So, you know, it was just crazy. But you know, I I, I know now never to you know not disbelieve him. I always know to trust him now. So my God, man, what else could you do? What else could you do? Sixty-six yarder. Uh, Tyus, did you like, we've talked about this before, like your reaction, did you let out a scream? Did you? Oh like, yeah, I definitely scream, man. <laughs> so just, did the rest of the city, by the way. Oh, definitely. Oh, and you should have heard the crowd in there too. I mean, it was completely quiet. Tyus, I got to, sh- my friend Rita is sitting right up front. This is the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, ladies and gentlemen. And Rita and I do the post game show together on Sundays. Uh-huh. And Rita, I let out a string of F words and, oh and, and other words you're not supposed to say in front of your mom who's sitting right there with her Yo, for a solid five minutes after the kick. Wow. It was one of my favorite moments that I've ever had watching football, man. Definitely, it was, man. it was truly incredible. Definitely. Man, yeah, we, oh, oh, don't, I didn't cry, but I, there was, uh, there was, you some tears. Th- no, there was some emotion. That's you all. There some was some tears, emotion. What a, what, I mean, we're all men. We can admit, admit it, man. You shed some tears, man. It's okay. Man, I was emotional. Okay to cry. I was emotional. You don't get to see special things every day. You're right. You but don't okay get to see. To admit that you shed a couple tears, <laughs> man. It's okay, man. All right, maybe one. Maybe okay. one. Okay. Maybe one. Did anybody else shed a tear? No, just me. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's what it is. Hey, either of you guys ever kickers at any point in your life? Did you ever? I was, yeah, I was a kicker um, my freshman year. Um, I did the kickoffs. I did the field goals. Um, What's the longest kick you ever made in your life? Just... Where the two, where they put the ball at the two yard line, <laughs> the and get to point. the team. Yeah, that's the point. That's the furthest I did, but I did kickoffs, and yeah, get to the, it'll probably get to like the five yard line. If, if we, if they got to a point where so many dudes were hurt that you had to be the emergency kicker on a Sunday, what would be the longest you think you would possibly be able to make? Probably like thirty. Thirty. All right, that's not bad, man. 30, that's yeah. not bad. That's Adop- Adopt. you ever mess around and try? No, no, that's not my. That's not my forte. I use <laughs> my hands. You, you know what you're good at, and you just yeah. sort of leave it at that. You know what you're good at, man. That was a special day. It was a heck of a special it day was, being a part man. of something like that. Um, we are out here at the Bowman for the Tyus Bowser Show. I want to thank Chesapeake Beverage for making this possible as well. Great Eights memorabilia. Big thank you to them to Express Exterior Design. Seriously, huge part of everything that we're doing here. We're going to tell you more about them. I want to talk to both of you guys about uh, someone that you've gotten to know. And I haven't had a chance to talk to you about it yet, Tyus. But Justin Houston comes into Baltimore this year. And there's been a lot made about Justin and the time he spends after practice and working with you guys. What has it meant to you to be able to spend time with a dude like that? What has he brought to who you are as a football team? Oh man, he's brought like a different type of energy that I feel that as a player, as a team, that you need in the locker room. And um, I'm not too far of a locker mate from him. So, I mean, I'm always around him, whether we playing music and 
he's reciting the lyrics or he's really? dancing or he's coming up with his own stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's just it just make you laugh and it just gives you that energy that you need. Sometimes, you know, you might be having a rough day or you might be going through some things and, you know, he's always around there. He's willing to talk to you. You know, he's always down to conversate with you about different things. But I mean, just his energy in there is always awesome. That's incredible. Adafi, what's it been like being around a legend like that in your first NFL season? Yeah, it's a blessing. Like, I, like I always make the little analogy, Justin is like Yoda. Like he, wow. tells, he tells me everything when it comes if it's off the field, if it's on the field, like he just gives me the keys to life, you know, and I really appreciate him because, you know, it could be a, it could be a, another way. You know, you, you hear about, you know, vets that don't always, you know, want to give you the keys because they want to better themselves. You know, Justin's a complete opposite. He's always teaching me stuff, you know, financially, things with family. Like when you come when you come to sudden wealth, you know how to handle everything around, you know, with family members, friends and everything. He always teaches me stuff like that. And obviously on the field, like he's he's second to no one. You know, he teaches me stuff with you know rush angles, and you know how to just approach the game like a professional. You know, I've been really grateful for everything he's he's taught me and what he's going to teach me in the future. That's awesome, man. Uh, we were talking last week with Tyus. Tyus was aware of the doubters that you guys had going into Kansas City. He was he was aware of all that. You, Adave, have dealt with a lot of doubters, right? Like as you came into the league, there were a lot of people that wanted to bring up. One particular number. Um, you, and I, you and I actually <laughs> talked before the draft last year, and I remember we talked about it. Because this, we, you know, it's what everybody was talking about. How good has it felt for you to sort of be able to give the old proverbial middle finger so far <laughs> to everyone who was a doubter of yours coming out of Penn State last season? Uh, you know, I haven't given that finger yet. You know, I feel like <laughs> I still have more more stuff to prove. Um, you know, you're always gonna have doubters probably still have a lot of a yo lot you just more. you beat the kansas city chiefs you don't think that was proving some doubters <laughs> i didn't beat it our team beat it but i, you know. I know that's true. <laughs> i know that's true but um you know just just it's just always believing in yourself betting on yourself and that's what i've always been been doing and that's what i'm gonna keep on doing until i have no, no more doubters no, that's, that's just how it goes. You know, um, you were telling us about Adafi last week, Tyus. You were telling us about how impressed you were from moment one, right? Can you, for people that didn't get to hear it last week, can you speak to what this dude, to your right, has done to be able to come in immediately and make this type of impact? Yeah, man. Adafi is just a raw talent that, you know, sky's just the limit for him. And, you know, he comes out every day and works hard. You know, he's always willing to learn from everybody, you know, regardless of who it is. He's always willing to put in the extra work, uh, always asking questions. And, you know, as a teammate, you know, you you enjoy seeing, you know, that type of talent out there and, you know, just being around him. You know, you want to help guys like that, especially, you know, you know, he's going to be a part of the team. He's going to help us win. So, you know, as a teammate, you want to do everything you can to help this guy. And he's been the best teammate ever, and whenever he's out there, you know, I'm confident in him. Just like, you know, this past week, it was only three of us. Right, right. Me, Fee, and Dafe, and, <laughs> you know, we had to kind of hold the four for the outside linebacker group, uh, edge rushers, and, you know, every time we out on the field, we like, man, let's go out there and ball, man. Get to the quarterback, whatever situations, man, if I need to, you know, move to the other side, if you feeling like you can beat this guy, man, let me know. I just want you, I just want you Playing fast, once you awesome. at your best, man. Yep. And that's all I want for this guy, man. Yep. Just the best. All right, uh, Tyus, we're going to have to talk about it. 
You know, we were trying to manifest you a touchdown last week. <laughs> oh, we were trying gosh. to manifest it. <laughs> oh, my God. You're, you're so, we know that you can catch the football. Like, we yeah. know how good you are at yeah, it. Yeah, man. We have to, t- what, what happens, mm-hmm. and like at the end of the day, that still should have been a turnover. I have no idea what the hell happened when they went back and looked yeah. at it. It still should have been a turnover. I mean, I can come up with anything and everything to say about it, man, but, you know, it was just one of them plays I didn't make. And it hurt me. It Shoot. really hurt me. Shoot. You know, not only to help my team, you know, put them in a good position to score, you know, but just, you know, hearing it from the guys on the sideline. That's what I wanted to get to. <laughs> man, it was it was tough, but you know, I just had to I just had to take it in and just be like, man, you know what? I missed that. I know I'm not perfect. You know, I'm a player, you know, I'm gonna make some mistakes. I'm not gonna, you know, make every pass, every yep. interception or sack or whatever, but I'm going to go out there and play, man. All right. So what are the rules, Adafe, when something like that happens? And, like, you know that's your boy. You know he's going to make a million plays. And you know he's killing himself. But, like, you still have to say something to him, right? You know, he owes me, he owes me dinner next time. I feel like that's, <laughs> the, that's what he has to do. Is that the reason why you're here? Is yeah. It? <laughs> you owe me dinner. This is on you. <laughs> <laughs> but, nah, um, I believe in Tyus. Of course. Know, I believe in Tyus. He's going to make, make it up. Next three times, three times over. Is when, when, hang on. Is is there like any sort of like kind of rule to that? Like if somebody, if somebody drops something, like they gotta they gotta pay for. Is there is that? Maybe, no, there's not a rule. But let's 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 start it now. Though. <laughs> <laughs> no, we ain't gonna do that. We're not gonna do that. If I like this, if somebody has a great chance to make a play and doesn't make it, then they gotta pay for dinner the next time you guys go out. You gotta pay for dinner. That's hey, a pretty. And if that's the case, then we might just do a whole team dinner for all the <laughs> missed tackles. That's miss fair drop, too. That. That's true. Have a that's true. Dinner. That is there too. You brought up uh, Drew Wilkins. Oh God! My God, man! <laughs> I didn't even know about it. So okay, so for those that don't know, Drew Wilkins, outside linebackers coach, yes. he did what while celebrating the kick at the end of the game? Grade two, hamstring pull. <laughs> <laughs> like the dude two. legitimately pulled his hamstring. Yes. Celebrated. High step. High stepping. High step. High step. I stepping now how to, in terms of we talk about having fun with somebody what's the rule to that because like he legitimately hurt himself yeah. like what are the rules and the crazy part is they get on us for if you're going to celebrate don't hurt yourself like on a lamar little tumble right you can't you can't do that if you're not gonna hurt yourself obviously he didn't hurt himself but you know they, they get on us for that but then he does a little high step and he's the steps. guy telling that to you right? exactly like, telling us that <laughs> And then he injures himself. Looks like he got shot or something. (laughs) (laughs) What do you say to him, Tyus? What do you, what do you, you have to, you know, bust his balls a little bit, right? (laughs) I mean, we was in meetings and he was like, man, you're going to have to show me a couple of them stretches that you be doing before (laughs) practice. I'm like, we need to do something because what I've seen on film, that doesn't look good for you, man, at all. And he was just telling me how it was just all on. TMZ or something like that and Marlon. Yeah, he got a lot it. of attention from yeah, it. Yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is really bad. Like, <laughs> thank God. Yeah. Thank God it's him and not one of you guys, of no, course. Like, no. that would obviously be far yeah, worse if that were the case. Yeah, that'll be bad. But my but, God, man, like. No, nah, that was... That was a laughter that I really needed. That did you, okay? Did I you did you see it? Did you know it at, on the field at all? Or it didn't no, have, I was oh. on the I was on the field running while the ball was still in the air. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like oh my gosh! Like he's about to 
make this. I'm about to give you guys a 12-man panel uh, on the field panel. We were looking at film. I see Marlon. He's on the field, and he hadn't even kicked the ball yet. I'm like... (laughs) Yo, we really about to get a whole flag out here. On, a, on the greatest on kick in football history. Yes, and it's exactly. yes. that would be bad. Yes. <laughs> Could you crazy. even imagine? Could you even imagine if that had gone down? They'd never, they'd never throw that flag in a million years. And somebody no asked that today, too. They was like, bro, I think Levine asked that. He was like, bro, what if you would have got a flag on this for being out on the field too early? He will be... You know, there's a famous story from from the last Super Bowl where the Ravens had to punt it back to the 49ers at the end of the game with like three seconds left. And Joe Flacco says to everybody on the sideline, if they break it, just run out there and tackle them. Like, what are we going to do? Just run out there and tackle them. What are they going to do? We got to try to win the Super Bowl, man. That's the way it goes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, make some more noise for Tyus Bowser and Adafi Owey. Express Exterior Design is a family-owned business with over 28 years of experience with roofing, windows, siding, gutters, and doors, servicing Maryland, Delaware, and Southern Pennsylvania. They stand behind trust, quality, and integrity. And just remember, your job isn't finished until you're fully satisfied. Find out more at ExpressExteriorDesign.com. That's Express without the first E. Or by calling 855-699-7378.